Yes, I can finally confirm that I am indeed the walrus. Welcome, good evening, ladies, gentlemen, MBs, to Warrior Desho's second stream, the last one. This is it. This is our, you know, like, end of Evangelion episode. Uh, although it's not actually on end of Evangelion, as it turns out. We're actually covering Odd Taxi. Uh, we're covering the final five episodes of it. And what a long and strange journey it has been indeed. But of course, along for the ride, as always, is uh, my good friend and podcast colleague, the Subtle Doctor. Hey, folks. I hope everybody's doing well. And all I have to say is, if only Yuki Mitsuya were here. Yeah. I have no idea who that is. I'm so sorry. The uh, the first cat lady that. <laughs> oh like, yes, of course. Sorry, I thought you. Have, I thought <laughs> I, I couldn't tell if you're referring to a voice actor or possibly a Japanese wrestler. I, we, I really weren't sure. Yes, I'm so sorry. Um, well, I've already failed this podcast then in discussing Odd Taxi, but never mind. Uh, Listen, but I will say names are difficult to keep up with. So much so that I'm going to pull up a list now. Oh, boy. Um, I he mean, this, uh, if any, if, if Odd Taxi has given us anything through its mostly sustained use of characters as animals, it's that you think you could have just said, well, the alpaca kicked the guy in the face. And people might, you know, otherwise out of context think that was a bit strange. Like, no, no, it, it makes perfect sense. Uh, but I will, however, say ahead of time, uh, this uh, final episode of uh, Odd Taxi, the pod, or the Pod Taxi, as it were, uh, is full spoilers, full bore, right from the beginning. Uh, why on earth have you not already watched this show in full if you're listening to this? What's going wrong Silly. with you? Sort it out. Uh, anyway, because I, I want to say, I, I need to get this out here very briefly. I need to be... <laughs> I need, I need to be full smug ahead on this one just one last time and say that I was right. My galaxy brain it. actually paid off for me one, for once. You and uh, I'm just going to have a cheeky victory drink. But anyway, that's beside the point because there's much more to discuss about the revelation than indeed all of the characters were human, always have been human. And it was indeed just Odakawa's way of seeing the world that presented, of anyone, uh, presented them all as, uh, you know, animals. So we'll come back to that later. There is a lot to discuss. We have patron questions to come. We're going to talk a bit about creatives as well. We have some talking points, some final thoughts on the series, uh, and then some final thoughts on this series of podcasts. Right. Uh, we're gonna have, we're gonna take a brief five minute diversion at the very end just to talk about the uh, you know the bad times and the good times. Um, <laughs> we're having messages in the chat, by the way, Doc. That apparently we have turned into PowerPoint mode on the oh, video well. front. Um... Like I said, I, I don't know why my CPU is what is using up so much of it here. Um, don't know that there's all that much that I can do. 
Maybe I will close some old Firefox tabs. I'll just sacrifice I mean, them. I mean, I don't mind you minting Dogecoin, mate. You can go nuts with that if you want, but <laughs> probably probably not right now. <laughs> just 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 saying. There's a, there's there's a time and a place for for that. I, I assure you, nothing nefarious about the Firefox tabs. I mean, if you think I'm being tangential here, that's not the last time you'll hear me talking about fake currency later. Yeah, come at me, crypto fuckers. Oh. (laughs) I don't don't buy into your Ponzi scheme, unlike you, who actually literally buy into it, you morons. Sorry, just casting out a bit of shade here, you know, because I just... Just feel like it, but anyway, while uh, while Doc's you know throwing more coal into the uh, steam engine there to get this going, um, yes, this is indeed our final second stream. It's been quite the long uh, and strange journey throughout all of it. Uh, but I am, however, going to say that I think I speak for both me and Doc that we're ending this on a high note. Absolutely. Um, if anything, um, without because we sometimes give you know like non-spoilery summaries of our um, you know of our thoughts on the block of episodes. Um, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, because we had uh, rated these episodes, the previous blocks of episodes, and gave them both 5 out of 5. I'm not unfortunately going to give this particular block of episodes a full 5 out of 5, because I have a couple of minor quibbles. But this is probably the most... This is probably the most consistently strong, strongly written show I've seen in all that we've probably covered on Warrior Dash Show for quite a while. Um, I'm sure if I thought about it, there'd be more examples I give of shows that I thought were overall more tightly written, but they are few and far between. That I can definitely say. And something I want to note as well, just as an aside here, is um, I don't know if Odd Taxi will have a lot of staying power in my mind as a work of entertainment that I will come back and rewatch over and over. And that's in no way the show's fault, I should stress. That is strictly my own mm. like opinion. Yeah. That's like just how I... That's just like how I am in terms of like you know I've had my time It because on the base on the face of it like it is really just like a well executed mystery story, but it doesn't have any of that out there stuff that like tends to stick in my mind when it comes to anime. Like it's not say like a Land of the Lustrous for example or a Macross Frontier where there's so mm. much crazy out there shit going on. Um, that is again not to you know denigrate the show or to play it down in terms of quality. But that being said, I will however now use this. I will now ever use this as the gold standard for which I will compare many other shows to because I've screamed it from the rooftops. I've screamed it from the highest mountain, the highest, you know, everywhere, like all over the land, that I want tightly written scripts because they are the cheapest part of any given show and I do not accept failure in making them good. It should not be difficult to write a top quality script and animate over it, in my opinion. That's the way I operate. I'm not a Sakaga bloke. I don't believe that animation is the end all of it because ultimately it must rest on the foundation of solid writing. And I defy like anyone to find a show that is more tightly written than this with the possible exception of stuff like Madoka Magica. Um, because every single piece for the most part is so perfectly intricately woven together it is like Swiss clockwork you know it is mm-hmm. that intricate um and as I, so ultimately while i say that the content like the actual story might not stick around me for a long while uh i'm sorry future anime but you are now really up against the wall on it because this is the thing i'm gonna compare it to because you have no excuse no excuse whatsoever sorry to say well i have to say that's yeah i I mean, I expected you to say the last bit about uh, the the tight writing because 
I mean, I think it mostly maintains that. It, it definitely maintains that throughout. Uh, I'm surprised that it was not going to stick with you. Why do you think that is? I think mostly just because when I think of like anime that sticks with me, it's usually because they have more out there concepts. Again, why I mentioned Land of Lustrous or Frontier, because they feel more like wild. And I'm not saying that what's happening on taxis, uh, you know, like milk toast or anything, far from it. Um, I mean, heck, that's actually the point of one of the themes of the show, that what you believe to be around you to be, you know, boring and ordinary is actually not. It is, as I've quoted many times, that uh, rant from the film Adaptation, mm-hmm. you know, like, so I'm not saying that at all, but rather in the limited brain space that I have, in my limited, like, internal memory, <laughs> um, it probably won't stick with me in terms of, like, I want to rewatch this over and over again, whereas I would do with, say, Frontier or Landlust, for example. Uh, but that doesn't mean it isn't going to stick with me, of course, as I say, with terms of the right. It's, I, again, will stress this just strictly me, uh, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I guess, so are you, is it a concept thing or is it a spectacle thing? Maybe both. Um, possibly both thrown in together. Um mm. I mean, so demanding. <laughs> I think of it. I think of it in the same way now that I, now that it springs to mind of the way I thought about ninety one days. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I also, remember the anime. I don't remember how you thought of it exactly, but I, I remember well, you liked it. But I, I certainly remember the show. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and I think it's, it kind of falls in a similar wheelhouse to me because that was such a tightly written show in its own right, not as tightly as Odd Taxi, of course. Uh, you know, crime in Prohibition era America and all that, and a revenge story and all that bundled together. And I remember all of that, don't get me wrong, but I had no compulsion after I finished watching it to go watch it again, even as good as it was. Yeah. Well, that show wasn't nearly as ambitious as this. I mean, I th- no, I'd say that's, no. that's, I think, what would have is, is tripping me up, I guess, about what I expected, which is, I mean, you're not wrong, of course, for having the feelings you have about it. Let me just say that. But I suppose... You know, the show, uh, from a writing perspective, strikes me as a work of great ambition. Uh, Mm. You know, just juggling so many things. uh, Oh, it's a technical masterpiece in terms of writing. You know, uh, in such a great way. And, you know, uh, Gogo in chat says that mystery shows can have a limited rewatch value. But I just, I don't think, like, the mystery in this, like... At least, you know, we're given the kind of the mystery at the beginning about like what's in Otakawa's house and, you know, uh, mm. where's the missing girl. But I think we may have even talked about this before is like, it's just so, so not the draw of the show. Um, mm. So much as like the characters themselves, seeing yeah. who they are, getting to know them, seeing the interplay between them and how yeah, they're all connected. The, you know? Yeah. I mean, certainly you want the mystery to be solved, but like, to me, finding out what was in Otokawa's closet was like the bottom of my checklist of, okay, you got to do this finale. At least we got decent resolutions to that as opposed to something like the numbers out of loss or whatever. (laughs) You know, this wasn't like, I I will definitely credit this. this. (laughs) I I will definitely credit the show for for this, which is Mm -hmm. the mystery is not there for its own sake. It is a driving force for the interplay between the characters uh, and the intricate tapestry of connections between them, uh, which the final batch of episodes really like goes all in on, draws it all out. And 
even that the very final scene continues to show like that, you know, oh like God. where, <laughs> yeah, the there's, 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 there's things to say about oh, that. Oh shit. So I, I think it's going to have a, a, like, I mean, a high rewatch value for me just means like the possibility that I might rewatch it is high. Cause I don't tend to rewatch stuff a lot. Um, mm. especially TV series. They just, I only have so much life that I have <laughs> on this earth, Shadon. And so, like, rewatching things, um, at, at least right now, like, a longer TV series, kind of like, the prospect of it does not appeal to me very much. But I think, I mean, this one just, like, really um, touched a sweet spot for me in my brain. Like, there's just so much going on, I can't turn it off like it's just everything is so mm-hmm. well done like it's just like it's crackling out of the screen like all the mm-hmm. cool connections and the the writing the dialogue is good every character really feels like they have their own voice um mm-hmm. and it's uh it, so to me it feels like an ideal series to revisit because you're just like god like these characters <laughs> they're so awesome and there's probably <laughs> all sorts of like i don't know really fun details that a rewatch would not that you necessarily miss them or I miss them, but like you just be like, Oh my God, they did this so well. <laughs> but, but anyway, re- rewatch value is not the end all be all. Um, I guess I was just surprised by that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's my take on the show. Anyway, if you want the non-spoiler version of it for people who sit in the very tiny Venn diagram of people who listen to this podcast all the way through, but somehow haven't watched any odd taxi yet. Um, to that person out there, uh, we love you for being our fan singular uh we really do sorry but um you, you know the the venn diagram is crushing you it really is it's 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 locking you in place you need to break free um right so with that out of the way we're going to go through our usual structure of course one one last big hurrah for it uh which will firstly start off with creatives um and then we're going to go on to patron questions and then talking points as i mentioned um so i'll pass it over to doc to talk about the creatives in just a second okie dokie so, uh, only a couple people to touch on this time, because a lot of the directors directed multiple episodes, and so we talked about them before. So, we're going to talk about two, um, or sorry, just uh, one episode director this time, and one Seiyu. Uh, the episode director who directed episode 10 only is uh, Rokusuke Okimitsu. And Okimitsu uh, has a very small CV. You know, we've got this Odd Taxi episode 10 direction. And it looks like that Okimitsu is um, really just mainly an episode director. Um, The occasional storyboarding. Um, it looks like that they've done the most work on Yokai Watch. Did you ever play Yokai Watch or or see the show? I've never heard of it before you told me about it. You've today. never I'm, heard I'm... of Yokai Watch. I guess you know you don't have children, so that probably explains. Not, not sort of... that I know of. <laughs> Let's hope. Uh you you um that was a joke, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you uh, probably haven't been served this by the marketing, you know, the algorithmic marketing gods because 
you don't have kids and you, or, or you're not a, a Pokemon person. And this is very much uh, like in the vein of Pokemon, um, at least from what I recall of it. My kids were like, I mean, saying into it is like a strong way to put it. They watched a season of the show. They never played the game or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, it's just a really colorful kind of modern monster collecting thing. And uh, Okamitsu um, directed, um, like, and uh, directed and storyboarded, like, about, like, ten different episodes, it looks like, across three seasons of Yokai Watch. Uh, the 2019 season, uh, a season called Y colon N, Tuno uh, Sogu, and a season called Shadow Side. Also, the Tower of God, which I think was a Crunchyroll thing. Oh yeah, that was the web. That was like one of their very first webtoons, wasn't it? Uh, the one where the most of the f- the fans of that show inexplicably hated on a female character because she was bad to a guy because for narrative reasons. So basically, it was controversy at the time. I remember it, and I just remember thinking stuff like, "Man, most anime fans really do have it out for people you know with the wrong kind of chromosomes, don't they? For no good reason." Yeah, I'm casting more shit out there. I don't give a shit anymore. This is last second stream. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, bang, well, bang, bang. Firing all those shots off. It looks like it's got mostly good reviews on ANN. Um, the majority of people classify it as good. Um, a couple of a couple of people. It looks like one person labeled it as the worst, <laughs> the worst ever. Um, yeah, this is from last year. Uh, that's the that's the only thing that's the only thing they ever write that is like the the worst ever is their first middle and last name (laughs) it's Um, also their gender and their date of birth yes they've modified a button on their keyboard there's like a macro that just one button press types in worst ever um (laughs) so directed episode three of that and i mean that's been a couple of other things but that's really it um so Looks like a relative newbie in the industry. So let's hope that they are taken care of and paid fairly and have a good working environment so that they will stay in this industry. Uh, the the other person well, we've mentioned before, but I'm going to just kind of, you know, unfurl this a little bit. Um, Natsuki Hanai who was a seiyuu for um, Orokawa. And he looks like he's in a lot of things. (laughs) Um, Oh. I'm looking at the video games. He has a role in Rune Factory 5, which is not even out here, and I'm kind of annoyed about that. I wish Rune Factory 5 would hurry up and come out. It's, It's time. It's enough now release the game um a couple roles in fire emblem uh his alm in fire emblem echo shadows of valentia which is an amazing game and i don't think though that you can hear in our release of the game his work i believe you have to listen to those lines in english but the voice acting in english is good but it's cool. sorry can I, can I can i stop you there you can honestly just point out in chat 
Apparently he's Tanjiro from Demon Slayer. Yeah, yeah. I was going to get to that. He is Tanjiro. Sorry, yes. I, uh-huh. I, 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 because I, 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 if that, I've been drinking this at the time, I'd have probably spat out because, I mean, Yuki's you all know mentioned, that I have. Yuki's mentioned this before, I believe, on the last stream. Uh, if if I if that if that's been the case, I must have missed it, or maybe I did mention it. But I'll just, I will bring it up again in that case. Like I want to give credit to this guy for the range that he has in that case, yep. uh, because whatever problems I might have with Demon Slayer, he's spot on as with like voicing Tantra and giving the appropriate like mood tone, uh, you know, pitch etc. for the, a kid that age. Totally. But he really also sells the grumpy, like you know. Uh, cynical taxi driver person that he is in this show. Oh, I know. With it's a bit great. of vulnerability to him as well, of course. So yeah, kudos to him for doing a, such a bang-up job. He's someone called Falco Grice and Attack on Titan Final Season Parts 1 and 2, which is really funny that there's a Final Season Part 2. Um, I find that incredibly amusing. <laughs> um, Kominado in Ace of the Diamond. There's quite a, a quite a bit of Ace of the Diamond. Um, let's see, Digimon, um, Taichi Yagami, and, a, like, a lot of the new, like, the Digimon Adventure Try stuff. I wave my magic hand, let there be light. Um, uh, Jocko in Dragon Ball Super, which, that's a fun role. That's another, like, look at this guy's range, because Jocko is, like, a, uh, Almost a character like Big Daimon, except more hyperactive. Well, no, that's not true. He's a cop, but he's not corrupt. He's he's actually the totally the opposite of that. He's just very animated and very much like... He's comic relief because he's so obsessed with justice, but he's also very much a coward and won't try <laughs> to, like, you know, actually enforce justice when it comes to people like frieza and what have you um takumi in the food wars stuff takumi aldini um looking for things that we have covered or that we would recognize um and there's a, there's a ton here i mean we haven't done any haikyuu stuff but it looks like he has a role in haikyuu um we will be covering noragami but i think he's got a minor role in that um Oh, he's Biscuit in uh, Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Biscuit Griffin. Uh, oh, God. Love Biscuit. Biscuit's great. Biscuit Biscuit is good. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, another, another character from the naming convention of what <laughs> shit do I have in my immediate vicinity? Just Gundam, man. Like, fucking um, I mean, is there also some, is also some named Tequila Johnson or something <laughs> like that? You know that would Probably. be a fucking Gundam name. Tequila Probably. Johnson. That's a beautiful Gundam name. To t- t- me, though, pay me for that, please. <laughs> I'll give you all the names you want. <laughs> like this. Oh shit! Even... Um, you can also drop something else in the chat, which is uh the relatively recently released DLC character for uh, GG Stride. Oh, fuck you, Yuki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said he said he was Gold Lewis Dickinson in GG Stride. He's basically <laughs> like this. He is to give you people context. If you don't know who I'm talking about, he is the Secretary of Defense for the United States of America who fights with a coffin that contains an alien from Area 51. And also has a minigun. <laughs> what's it? What's his name? Yeah, Gold Lewis Dickinson. <laughs> well, no, no, no. You put a p- artificial pause there. You made it sound like his first name was Gold, his middle name was Lewis, and his last name is Dickinson. When in actual fact, his first name is Gold Lewis, which is it absurd, is patently absurd. 
and hilarious, and I'm so happy that Gold Lewis exists. I would have believed it, though, like, actually, to be honest, but, uh, well, I mean, Yuki will take that in, good, in stride. And again, like, this is the final second stream, so, like, my limits is off. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We got Tokyo Ghoul, Ken Kaneki. Um, we got a lot of stuff that I don't know if our people... You're lying, April. I've never seen, but it's got its fans. Um, Jose Arima. Uh, but anyway, I think the point of this exercise is to say, hey, um, the Seiyu Natsuki Hanai is very talented and has a lot of range and can play lots of different kinds of roles. So all credit mm-hmm. to you. Indeed. Speaking of credit, I mean, we've talked about the creatives uh, all the way through. Um, and I think that I can say with absolute certainty that the people who've worked on this um, show should be proud of themselves and can handily put that on their CVs for the future, for whatever that might be worth. Like, totally. I, 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 I mean, I've been like, you know, peed before at various shows we could where they've been terrible. And I've like, you know, said like, um, you know, that the crazies don't deserve to work in like, you know, fudge packing factories or whatever. <laughs> um, I've been, I've been really cruel like that, but I will conversely be, um, you know, kind and and give credit where it is due so to everyone who's made this show they deserve all the accolades they've got and more a hundred percent and incredible that now leads us on to talking about why they deserve all the accolades more because we have patron questions and talking points so we're going to get right into that um so we our first batch our first pair um comes from rackham pirate prince the very first one goes what do you think happens after the show's end does Sakura kill Odakawa, or is Odakawa working some kind of sting, assuming the info he planned to tell the police was the realisation she was the one he drove, <laughs> not the victim? Or perhaps something else entirely? And why do you think that choice is more likely than any other possible outcome? Alright, okay. I've thought about this. I've given this some consideration, and my answer is, it doesn't matter. Okay. Not one bit of it. And I'll tell you why. Because... What part of the genius of the final episode of Odd Taxi, which has the big revelation, of course, that Odakawa sees um, people as animals, which is something I will definitely come back round to addressing later. I mean, if I didn't address that, I'd have to hand in my Z-list YouTube anime critic license. <laughs> um, but the point being is this, right? Part of the genius of the episode is it plays a number of rhetorical like unveilings. Uh, to peel back uh, the world as it is and offer a final statement on, like, the idea I've said a couple of times, and you've also said, about how, you know, what we view as mundane around us in reality uh, is interesting, nuanced, and complex, you know? Uh, We might think, like, you know, that we live boring lives where we don't really know anyone, nothing interesting, but that's not necessarily true. And so... Part of that, I think, though, is the ending scene where Sakura is there. I suppose I should give context, by the way. Uh, Sakura murdered uh, Yuki. Do we know her the... name is, is Sakura? Where do we learn that? Um, I don't recall that. I just remember but... them calling her, like, changing her name. You know what I mean? They're like, are you cool? Is it okay that you, that you go by Yuki Mitsuya? It's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's fine. But I don't ever remember the revelation that she's called Sakura. I'm looking through I mean, the character list and I don't she's not It would be appropriate here. because it would be ironic but well, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, sure. But sure. but anyway, uh, we'll we'll call the Sakura for the sake of it just to just to speed along okay. here which is 
Um, she murders Yuki, the original like uh, lead singer of Mystery Kiss, um, because she had internalized the lesson of other game, which is do whatever you have to to you know make your dreams come true, including killing someone. <laughs> Although, and mainly that part was not so much spoken, but I mean. The ends justify the means and all that. And she has gotten away scot-free as well, for the most part. Like, you know, uh, Rui from Mystery Kiss, uh, who we've revealed, found in these batch of episodes, actually helped dispose of Yuki's body, uh, has been implicated in her murder. No uh, wonder she's so the... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Dobu, Yano, and Polar Bear Dude, whose name I can't remember... Uh, they're all like imp- basically all the criminals are in prison. The only person who's been a criminal who, apart from the fact uh, one of the uh, the police brothers, but he might very well be dead. It's not clear on that. But anyway, that's not right. relevant to this. Right. Uh, Sakura gets away per- scot free, and the closing scene is of her getting into uh, Odakawa's taxi, um, following a phone call to her mother, where she basically in the most like I'm. I, I did it, but not really. Like, you know, I'm just being, I'm, I'm like, you know, being circumstanced by it, like where she basically confirms that she did kill her. And then we see a flashback <laughs> of her doing yeah, it. Exactly. Um, and that's it. Like, you know, Odakawa says where to, and she just smiles at him. And that's the show. Done. And here's the thing. I yeah. think it's doing that because all of the connections that we've seen thus far in the show, everything has been gradually peeled away. Uh, which is something else I'm going to talk about later, about the genius of how this show gradually, like, peels all the layers back. But everything's revealed. Like, pretty much everyone knows who everyone else is. It's like everyone else has had access to the same conspiracy board, linking everyone else together. Like, all the truth is out there. Everything that, like, you know, has been revealed has been revealed. Um, we know about Odakawa's condition. Uh, you know, we know about, like, the criminals being put away. Um, <clears throat> all sorts of stuff has happened. But that has not been revealed. And I think that serves as, like, a limiter on the show's own premise a little bit to make it not so absurd where everything gets put out there. Everything Mm. is finally revealed. Like, there's that one little nugget of information that remains that no one, apart from Sakura, of course, really knows. Um, And I think that, therefore, if I had to guess what happens after the show's end, uh, I would say Odakawa takes her in the taxi to where she wants to go, she pays him, and then that's it. Because the point is more that... Even if we do think we, you know, can learn everything that we can learn about the people we've interacted with in our lives, even randomers on the street, there's always that one thing just a bit further out of the way that we won't necessarily come into knowledge of. So I think it's more that final point to just kind of not make it so that everything is out there uh, and known by Odakawa and colleagues. Like, there's just that one thing still. And it's also just a great ending in its own right, let's be fair. like. Yeah. But I think that's the key point to it there, where it's just meant to be more a, as I say, like a limiter on its own, like final, on all of its revelations, where it's like, it will go so far, but stop, rather than putting everything out there, which I think would be a bit too much. Right. I see what you mean. Like, uh, just have everything ending in a nice, neat package. I feel uh, a little flat. I mean, like you said, it certainly is a spicy ending. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> I, I feel like he's going to die because <laughs> she, she has killed someone else basically the exact same way. The, the, the way that um, Manager-san uh, tried to kill him but the, was unsuccessful. The key difference, though, is that she's like... Call. 
She's like further the weight of him. That's, I don't think that she could. True. I don't think she'd be able to take over that way. That's true. And so she's got no need to. Maybe either. like a new, a new weird like entanglement then will ensue. Like oh, it, it, the mm. next, the next big adventure, right? Um, but even if it is the end for Otokawa, there, um, I think as a character, he's kind of um, like he's done it. You know, he's um, he's completed his arc and he has like reconciled like his inner turmoil and like sees the world as it really is and like helped other people. And yeah, I mean, I just think he's kind of like if he were to exit the story, then it the character would not be done any sort of disservice necessarily. Mm hmm. I agree, 100%. You know, it's interesting that you brought up um, uh, the the fake... Uh, oh, gosh. I don't want to call her Sakura, because I don't just don't see... The, the fake Yuki, the fake Mitsuya. Um, like, the, the speech that her mom gives her about uh, about the dreams. And, you know, you only get one go at this life, so make sure you... You you uh, fulfill your dreams, like maybe there's something about this show that is like pushing back against the idea of like that that cultural idea of like dream big and like you know go and do everything it takes to like achieve because like it feels like the characters who and maybe I'm forgetting some, but it feels like the characters who take that to heart all end up suffering in some way, right? Mm, um, Kakiana. Sorry? Kakiana, for example. Oh, yeah. I mean, God. I forgot. I wasn't even thinking. I was thinking about um, Nikaido uh, Rui. Also fair. Totally. I mean, like, her, I mean, she's at this point in her life where, like, nothing will satisfy her. Um, you know, lucky she met Baba uh, in some ways. And then certainly the girl that becomes a killer, you know, the fake Mitsuya. And then also um, the, the not Baba, but the uh, Shibakawa, or sorry, Shibagaki, <laughs> the other member of the Homo sapiens who, like, on stage when he, like, you know, goes mask off and starts talking about his real regrets. Mm, He's just like, I regret following my dreams. I wish I'd never been a comedian. Like I fucking hate you. (laughs) Like, like all that stuff. Mm. And it seems like the, the one who's most content, you know, out of everyone, uh, at the end of this is the person who like was like, just wanted to pay back the people that were kind to him, wanted to lead like a normal life, um, had, you know, very sort of modest goals and did not like let his ambition mean more to him than like human kindness. And that was Otokawa, you know, mm-hmm. every, it seems yeah. like all the other characters who had these like huge concepts like follow your dreams, dominating their life ended up, really uh suffering in some way we also had in my and uh i can't remember the name of the school kid the 
you know what I'm talking about. Like the thing, the thing that linked both of them together though was that their lives were defined by random chance. We had one person who was brought to the pits of despair right. because of it, and one person, am I, who was with the giantest of asterisks on this, uh, elated by it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm saying giant asterisks on this, and I'll talk about am I later. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's there's it's a so lot funny. of complex. There's a lot of complex like out, like angles, different perspectives for, on each mm-hmm. of the characters, like and how they are influenced by this. Um, and indeed, to go back to the idea of dreams, though, like an older cow, like he literally says in his flashback, his re- recounting of his childhood, that you know he likes animals and he wants to work driving a car. And guess what? He got both. He lived a very simple life, very simple ambitions, but he was ultimately content by it. I would say. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Hmm. Okay, uh, shall we move on to the next question? Next. All right. All right then. So from Rackham again, how do you feel Kabasawa, who I'm going to call the engagement hungry hippo? Um, <laughs> how do you feel in these episodes? Uh, accurately depicts the way social media fame can make some feel entitled, inflate their ego, lead them to exploit others. Uh, for example, he refers to his followers as slaves when he thinks he called Dobu. And how quickly they can burn their reputation via their own mistakes, mistakes and stupidity. So, okay, this is where I have to make a mild criticism. Okay, but it's very, very mild because this is not a mistake on the show's part, but rather, I think that it is specifically a situation as presented that is not necessarily emblematic of what's really happening in social media these days. And what do I mean by that? Um. The target of Kabasawa's social media content, if you want to even call it that, um, is a single person. Now, okay, yes, people might very well start saying, well, what about, like, say, an East Sarkeesian or all these other people who have been wrongly abused through social media? But they are ultimately the scapegoats for a philosophy and a political-leaning set of values, whatever you want to call it. Um but the thing is, Kabasawa's um, like target targeting of Dobu isn't really what's happening on mass in social media in the real world moment because the people who are grifting from their fans, who are lying to them, who are abusing their trust, are doing so not to target specific people, unless they're doing so, and if they do, it is because it is part of a wider ideology. Um, how many right-wing grifters can you and I name between us, Doc, where they're not targeting specific people, but rather they're trying to keep the lights on by lying to people. Um, and that, I think, is the mild criticism I would make here, because I can't recall the last time I really saw, apart from the example I gave in a previous episode, and this is just merely my own ignorance here, I'm talking anecdotally, of where social media people were driven to do what did because they had a specific targeting of one person. Because Funnily enough, at that point, um, that becomes harassment and probably gets them binned. Although, I will note, I actually think this is also a subtle bit of genius on the show's part, because the question then has to be asked. Let's hypothetically say that Kabasawa did somehow, I don't know how, maybe he gets Dobu to slip on a banana peel and he cripples himself. He catches him. Let's say he does that, and he's the hero of the town, and all of this stuff, all of this like plays out exactly as his like adult fantasy wants it to be. The question then is, what happens next? Because he built his entire personality, his entire online media presence around this one person. Yeah, 
I don't know if he's thinking that far ahead. But that that's exactly it, though. Like, he was ultimately destined to fail, even mm-hmm. if he succeeded in the most unimaginable way possible, which I yeah. think is great. I think that's a great note. But my point, rather, is that while I do think that Kabasawa's arc, like, works in terms of, like, how people do get, like, you know, dragged into the content gristle mill, like, they start lying to people and all that, as he categorically did, um, the problem is that the target of all of that is not what we tend to see in reality, which is, like movements you know identitarian politics and all that you know like where people start talking about sjw's antifa you name it that's what they make that's what people in like grifters make content about these days um or they just flat out make shit like you know cinema sins for example they're not targeting people they're targeting products or groups and that's where i think this kind of has a little bit of a disconnect for me but in the context of the show as a case study, it is flawlessly executed. Mm, I don't agree. I mean, I think certainly what you're saying happens. But I mean, I think, you know, I mean, Kiwi Farms is built on, like, getting people's information, individuals' information, so that groups of people can harass and dox them. And those people aren't just picked at random. Um, you know, they're picked for like, you know, different reasons, like you said, to do with ideology, but, you know, Kabasawa has his own ideology about, you know, he's got this like weird sense of justice and he like, uh, it's very kind of naive and, you know, he latches on to someone he sees in the news, right? The Twitter main character of the day, you might say. Uh, and it's like, this person needs to go down. We need to take care of this person. And I think it's not that big of a, a leap for you to say like Kabasawa trying to get Dobu arrested, you know, stop him from doing his job and supporting himself in a manner of speaking is, um, you know, not too far away from what, you know, you talked about the right-wing grifters, what a lot of, like, really kind of uh, woke scold, like, super kind of, I don't know, online, hypersensitive folks will go around looking for, you know, someone who, I don't know, said something bad or weird, maybe even years and years ago uh, to get them fired, Uh, which is not to condone necessarily things they say, but it's just like so out of proportion and like, you know, I don't know. I've just seen a few examples of it lately that just seemed quite wild. Uh, So I don't know, to me, like it doesn't seem that far-fetched or that out of touch in terms of like, the things that are happening online, you know, one person or a small group ginning up a lot of animosity towards a single person and then big consequences in that person's life happening within like 24 hours. Um, yeah. I, I I do agree with you because I haven't even thought of Kiwi Farms uh, because I tend to try to not to think about them, to be honest, because it just mm-hmm. makes me want to start spitting. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, 
I do hear where you're coming from now, and I actually think that would have been a fascinating thing if we did get that follow-up where, okay, maybe he didn't catch Dobu, or he did, or whatever. This is just me, like, completely fan-wanking this, so ignore me if you want to, <laughs> but point being is, like, and then we see, like, what he has to do next, and that's where the point where he starts making shit like Kiwi Farms, and it goes completely fucking out of control, <laughs> and he's really fucking people. But I know before, I know I said on a previous episode of this where I said, like, Dobu should not be prosecuted for the crimes he hasn't committed because that's not how justice works. And I stick by that. But the problem is, is that Kabasawa is still targeting someone who, you know, um, is a criminal. There is, like, legitimate reason for Dobu to be put away and arrested. Uh, even though, and I will say again, this is one of the show's strengths, we see the complexity of the situation where Dobu like seems almost like a necessary evil throughout much of it, to the point where I almost forgot a couple of times that he actually was a career criminal who deserved to be banged up. Um, I think it's just one of those cases where, because this is very specifically about one character, that's where I'm thinking, like, if you want to make wider, um, like, comparisons to it, it becomes a little bit more difficult. But then, conversely, I should also note, you might just want to necessarily think of it as a case study. Because this is a very specific set of characters having very specific interactions. And while the show certainly does take broad swipes at things like the idol industry, for example, or social media engagement, Mm -hmm. you also need to just kind of keep it within the sphere it operates in, I think, as well. Mm, Yeah, and I mean, we don't really get to see what his followers are doing, you know, because he has ginned up a lot of... Like, I, I would assume, although, I mean, maybe it's wrong to assume, but they're not just sort of all watching, that they're all participating. You know, because he's got them to give him money to do salons, and they're trying to do detective work, I I, I think, to find Dobu and that kind of thing. Um, so he sort of started a movement. There, there is kind of a little movement like, happening. Like, these, you know, people want to bring Dobu to justice and, and take him out. The world be better yeah. off without him and that kind of thing. So um, mm. to me, this well, there, just didn't, is... it didn't like, I don't know, I guess like this is one of the things that I think is, uh, I don't know, that rang really true to me. Like this whole, this whole thing felt very um, uh, relevant. Uh, whereas sometimes, uh, and we'll, we'll see how this ages, right? I mean, sometimes in anime, like social media, um it can feel it can feel really like do you know how social media works like if only it was this great <laughs> in real life mm. uh like i think of, only, you know yeah. gotcha man crowds uh for instance i was gonna bring that up later but damn it you beat me to the punch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fair fair cop fair cop though um i mean the thing is right i mean i will utterly concede to the fact i mean i brought the up the example last time um that there are times uh, when social media is used to an ill end for vigilante justice. But conversely, there are times when it is used appropriately totally. and does result in people's lives being saved and yeah. all that. So, it, <clears throat> I mean, that's, I think, where my, like, if you want to say, like, does it have, like, a, you know, as far as Cabasara is concerned, like, you know, does he feel representative of, like, how people use it? I think that if you consider him, maybe, maybe this is me just realigning my opinion, maybe you consider him as one cog in the machine, that makes more sense. Because ultimately, I think in some small way, he is a victim of it as as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, no doubt. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. that's true. Mm. And I think this is... Yeah. He's not necessarily representative of a, a user, but I think he's rep- He's meant to be representative uh, or, or the show's way of taking a look at people that do achieve fame through it. 
because most people don't. Yeah. Yeah. I will, however, know one other thing that is definitely an unambiguously good point of the show to make, uh, which is we see him sleeping with one of his fans, yeah. and boy, how do they have the measure of him? Um, and I like that that actually happened yeah. uh, in the sense of what they said. Uh, where they're basically saying like you're a coward blah 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 and then your fans are sleeping you be- and all this and I, she's like oh i guess i am i, I love it how <laughs> she puts it like everyone says and then just lists this massive like list of insults yeah and and the thing is they're they're all entire she's entirely correct about mm-hmm. that but i i actually like that for one reason which is it foreshadows what would have been the beginning of the end for him even if nothing had happened with Dobu as a, like, a result of him confronting him. Because, spoiler alert, uh, for people who've not seen Odd Taxi, Kabasara does get the chance to confront Dobu in person after Dobu has been shot uh, by one of the Diamond Brothers. Completely coincidentally, so how nice scenes. for Kabasawa. Sorry, I didn't how mean to nice for Kabasawa. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Kabasawa thinks he's got the upper hand on him, but he, I mean, <laughs> even though Dobu's been grazed, he is still a career criminal uh, and a violent thug, so... Spoilers! Kabasawa practically shits himself when Dobu gets the upper hand. What a surprise. Oh my. I couldn't have possibly seen that coming. Uh, But, I mean, that's why I like that happening with that fan, though, because it does foreshadow the end for him, (laughs) even if that hadn't happened. People were onto him. Totally. People people understood him as the coward he was. I Um, I like that you... I like that you said that, um... That you felt he was also a victim because one of the things i love about this show that you reminded me of the scene is how like none of the characters this is going to sound very hackneyed here but uh none of them are really these like black and white like super good super bad like they're all just pretty like gray morally like flawed people and they're on kind of a spectrum like um you certainly say people like goriki are you know, toward the the good end of things and people like Dobu or like toward the not so great end. But like, I mean, that scene has like Dobu basically (laughs) turning Kabasawa's life around in some ways, like, you know, actually listening to him and getting to the root of his problems and getting him to confront his own um, inadequacies uh, is like, he really needed that shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? And Dobu was like, almost like a mentor figure in that moment even though i mean he's done uh, some really awful shit like uh to you know shirakawa and stuff like that so uh i just i love that about the show and i love that scene yeah there's a, there's a lot of nuance to be found here so yeah i i think i mean if i had to be honest overall i think it works if you look at it as a case study and not as a broad application because to me the broad application would need to be that uh, Kabasawa isn't just targeting Dobu but is just generally shitting on all sorts of different people or even ideologies and all that but I think that would also not have been what Odd Taxi should have done anyway because Odd Taxi is very specifically an ensemble character study yeah and he's not like a career grifter himself he's just like I mean, well, they he, all start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. That's that's what I think is is fantastic about it, right? Is he's like he's not like Dave Rubin. No, you know, he's not some cottage industry Ben Shapiro. No, he's he's like, smarter than Dave Rubin. To be fair, <laughs> many many are, um, but he, you know, he not just difficult. like happens, it stumbles into this idea, and like runs away with it and then at some point you know it becomes the master of him he has to feed this monster he's created 
Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. It's just so interesting. And then there's like the, the whole thing at the end where, um, almost like parallel to Otakawa's ending because, uh, Kawasawa, like you think like, you know what? He's done. He's realized the error of his ways, but he still wants that fame. He still wants the viral video. Yeah, he takes the he video. Quite his lesson. He takes the video uh, of the car, you know, and and it's like, oh my god, this is gonna go viral. This is great. He bought a new phone, <laughs> and I mean, I think that that's fantastic, right? And I think that that they didn't give him such a pat ending. Like, well, he learned, and then that's it. Like, you kind of can't escape, like you know, that kind of the, like per- the siren, personal, the siren call. of social Yes, exactly. Media. Like personal tech, social media, social networks, like that, like, well, we're so enmeshed and integrated together. Like you kind of can't escape it. And like, he's got problems that need to be solved and, and worked through by like a therapist and not like a, a gangster. <laughs> well, you know what, you know, what's funny that just occurred to me when you were talking about that, actually, um, um, we have, of course, uh, Skull Kid, whose name I don't recall, oh, I uh, but we you. also have Imai, uh, who are both, um, you know, the victims in one form or another of random chance, but they're gamblers. And one might wonder, like, this is where, you know, a psychologist could, could do better than I, but one might wonder if, you know, whatever part of your brain is engaged by gambling, you know, whatever that part of that, that triggers... Is also similarly triggered by attempting to get social media engagement to go viral, because you are posting something essentially on the random chance that it gets noticed by the great algorithm. Maybe it's not too dissimilar. I mean, the right. show has certainly made cross right. cross comparisons between characters before, and also ideas like how you know you've got Rui exploiting her fans in an indirect and legal way, but how is that any different than uh, Shio, like you know, uh, exploiting poor Kakiana in her Badger game, you know? So maybe there's not so some something so dissimilar there in terms of like gambling. It's just one's got far less of a like an actual material mm. cost, but it will, however, enact a price on one's soul. And mm. Ru- and Rui herself is mm. um kind of cornered into things like you know just sort of happens upon uh, Sakura dead, and then the yakuza take over and pull her into it. And before she knows that she's an accomplice, like everybody. Yeah. I mean, I feel like chance in this show, you know, the, the whims of fate, like to have their pound of flesh from everyone. And like, everybody's just sort they of do. deals with it differently. Um, some better, I mean, some she, worse. She got her go directly to jail card and yes. she's got to roll a fucking d- double at some point. Poor woman. Um, anyway, uh, do we have anything else to add to that question from Rackham about Cabasau? Um, hmm, I think we, I think we pretty much answered it. Sweet. All right, then let's move on to the next question. This is the, this is a big one. Okay. Uh, this one comes from Gogo Type Robot. So in the end, we find out that all the characters are human and appear as animals due to Odakawa's injury. Holy shit. Uh, what does the artistic choice to depict humans as animals achieve? Would the story work without this? All right. Okay, let's fucking do this. Let's fucking talk <laughs> okay. about the animals. So, so 
I am of the opinion that the story could work without it, but I think it would be diminished by it. I think it would still function. But I think that the reveal in the end that they are indeed human and not animals actually serves a very powerful rhetorical purpose in this text. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, one of the messages of Odd Taxi throughout all of it thus far has been that what we think is like our mundane little lives, like there's so much interesting stuff happening in the periphery around it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like Odakar is a taxi driver, but he becomes embroiled in all of this stuff in the lives of so many different people. When in reality, uh, he should drive them home and think, God, that guy smelled like onion or something weird <laughs> like that, you know? It should have no more reaction than that, really. And I think the use of animals in this case is used to disarm our skepticism about what's happening. Because by presenting the character's animals, we're like, that's what our focus is on as far as like how, oh, this seems like a little silly and absurd and all that. But I'm okay. I'm on board with it. Like, it's your initial like opening statement um, on the essay, if you want to call it that. And then, and then right at the end, once we're completely on board with the events of the show, it's all pulled back. The curtain is drawn up and we see that these are humans. And because of all the time we've spent seeing them as animals, with that being the deflecting element to not make us think this is all bullshit, there's no way that all this stuff would happen in a single group of people, otherwise possible though it may be, uh, it deflects that from it deflects our attention from that, and therefore is pulled away at the last minute when we're ready to accept the show's message of this is possible. Because if it was just all regular people, it might be a bit less, you know, palpable to some viewers, I would argue. Mm. And so I think, therefore, the idea of the animals is as this rhetorical flourish at the very end to show that, um, you know, uh, they are humans and therefore all the experiences they've been through are plausible. You know, mm -hmm. you might not even necessarily be a taxi driver, but how many people do you bump into in the streets uh, you know, that might have some strange story around them. And this is also why I mentioned the idea of Sakura not having anything to do with Odakar at the end and being undiscovered because, I mean, I don't mean to say like all the people I meet in the streets are murderers, of course, but rather there are rich and diff interesting and nuanced lies behind every person you meet. They're not just simply faces in a crowd. And so I think that's a key part of like why the animal thing is there to, you know, basically disarm us until we're ready to accept the show's message at the end when we fully like got it on board i think it's a great little flourish at the very end and i'm not going to also deny that it has value of course for odakara as a character yeah um because i admit it feels a little hack how it's resolved in that he drowns again and suddenly it's all sorted but that being <laughs> said i'm willing to let it slide because i think that it ties into his character arc where he was afraid and bullied of everyone and yet ultimately he takes charge like as the taxi driver like his final acts of driving in the show before he picks Sakura up right. is to dictate his own path mm -hmm. you know and he's doing so in order to protect someone's else's money like if he wanted to he could just pop the trunk and let it all pour out and fuck it who cares like in my doesn't win his lottery money oh no whatever you know <laughs> could have done that but he's fighting back against a bullying force that seeks to you know control people and having then overcome that force in the end through his act of, like, I'd rather live free than, well, die hard, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, ra you know, uh, ra I'd rather live free than under your yoke. Like, no wonder he doesn't need this defense mechanism anymore of seeing people as animals. 
Uh, for the context, by the way, he gained this because he, his mother basically drove him uh, and his dad into the river uh, and then in drowning, like, because he's been so traumatized by that and other childhood abuse mm-hmm. um, and also his love of animals, like, he started seeing people as animals as a defense mechanism, including why he sees himself as a walrus because people calling him a walrus. But, you know, he doesn't need to do that anymore because he's no longer afraid of other people. So I'm willing to accept it more on those terms as like a thing that's no longer required rather than worrying about the mechanics of how any of that makes any fucking sense. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I think it works really well both as a character moment for him, but also as that rhetorical flourish I mentioned where it finally allows us to accept the show's message that if this can happen to Odakawa, it can happen to the rest of us. And by doing by making that point it opens us up to the possibility of so many different, like, you know, inconnected lives and experiences mm-hmm. that we might not even necessarily be aware of, but are just literally right in front of us. And by the way, if you think I'm crazy in saying, like, you know, that I believe in what the show presents as, like, you know, how something can spiral, like, so out of control from just such a simple thing, mm-hmm. I'm going to point to this podcast's very existence <laughs> as evidence of that. There you go. Because I can look back at the root cause of that, and that was me going to my first fighting game tournament over seven years ago and everything that's blossomed out as a result of that i is just fucking insane when i think about it i'm living proof of the message the show actually tries to put across as a result you're here yeah uh the only thing i have to add to any of this because i agree with everything you said is um the artistic appeal is huge uh because i mean one of the things that like just that drew me to it is the animal people. Uh, I love stories about animal people. Love them. Well documented on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, it's kind of absurd. Like, Oh, this is a story called odd taxi about a walrus who drives a taxi and he drives other animals around in his ta- I mean, that's just like such a great hook conceptually mm-hmm. and visually like, that it's very, very strong. I think it adds to the, like, the window shopping, like, elevator pitch, you know, curb appeal of the whole thing. And then, um, you know, if you if you want to see this show as, like, an exercise in, like, getting uh, the, the viewer, the reader to understand that, um, that there's not always and oftentimes most of the time is not there's not like a a single valid true perspective at the expense of all others that there that there is you know we have this whole huge cast of characters and from each of their different points of view certain other members of the cast are the villains you know they're bad and you see it from their point of view because like they're all these characters are given such like their due like such screen time and backstory and like we kind of inhabit them and their headspace and at the very end we are shown in a just very kind of shocking explicit way that the perspective that we all thought was the true perspective of the show is actually not (laughs) you know what i mean it was just Mm. this one guy's uh, way of seeing the world that doesn't necessarily reflect reality. And 
you know, I think that was a thing that was, uh, in, in like, that was something that the show enforced really well and kind of repeated uh, without, it didn't grow stale, that message, but it was enforced uh, in a lot of different and interesting ways. I have to say I was a little sad about it because, as I said, I love animal people. I think everyone is like 10% to 20% less interesting since they're not an animal. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think like historically um, from more recent anime that I've watched that involve anthropomorphized animals, Mm -hmm. uh, they tend to be used in a very literal sense. Sort of like you've got Beastars, for example, which is about nature versus, you know, nurture. Like, am I a slave to my, like, you know, instincts as a wolf, like Legoshi has, you know, versus what he chooses to be. Or you can have it be brand new animal, which is just appealing to fascists and eugenicists. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, (laughs) And, you know, there's all sorts of other shows I can Mm -hmm. mention. But I think this is one of the more creative uses I've seen of it, because there's there's no literal nature to it. I think the only way one can make a tie between the, the character, like the animals that Odakawa sees people as and who they are as people is probably with the criminals. Like, Dobu is, like, the monkey, for example, the violent-looking baboon. Um, you've got the polar bear guy. Uh, Yano was the porcupine, you know, very prickly, but ultimately leaving it up to people's work, that kind of thing. You know, or even how, like, despite the fact that he says he wants stuff to do with Shirakara, like, she's still an alpaca to him, which, you know, people like alpacas. They're cute, you know? <laughs> right. So clearly he must yeah. find it appealing in some way. Yeah. Um, I think it was... I don't even think it was to, like, their... I don't think he was doing that because of their natures. I think it was just sort of his brain kind of did some work based on what they looked like. As yeah, you I see think, them as I humans and they all look like, you know, that is true. Yeah. Yano, Yano has the, has so much hair gel on him. that I hope he yes. never smokes yes. because that shit's going up. <laughs> uh, so you're absolutely right. Like it is mostly a physical thing, but I think one could tie it a little bit into some, but, but only for some characters and not for all. I mean, I don't think poor Kakiana's heart could take it if he said he looks like a gibbon. <laughs> poor guy's had enough shit to deal with. He doesn't need to be told that. He looks so old now. <laughs> like, me really looks he old. He really... I mean, after what he's been through, I, I'm not surprised. I'd feel fucking old after didn't that. Him oh, quite that man. God. I'll be coming back to Kakiana later, by the way, because I think this show also has a very powerful message that's to do with him. But mm. I'm going to save that. I'm going to save it. Save, save it. it. All right. Uh, anything else we add on that question, Doc, or should we move on? Let's move on. Next. Let's move on. All right. We have two questions from Re underscore Q or Riku, not to be confused with Riku from Final Fantasy X uh, or X-2. Thank, thank God for that. Um, right. First question. How and for how long did the murder slash mystery narrative keep you guessing? And at what point did you think you'd got it? And how does it affect your experience or enjoyment of the series? I'm going to be honest, the murder was barely on my mind for much of this. I think yeah. I was too enraptured by everything else that was going on um, and too absorbed into it. Um, yeah. I mean, at the end, we find out Sakura is the person who killed Yuki, for example, and it's like... I mean, that mystery wasn't was even... Least... <sighs> well, I guess she was missing. I guess she was missing. And then we find we found out she was dead. The, Only a couple the, the characters themselves don't seem to have a, have a much of interest in it, though, to be quite honest. Like, I mean, I was thinking that through much of it. Like, if they think that Odakawa has kidnapped her, where the fuck is that search warrant? <laughs> yeah. 
No one seems to care. <laughs> and one can make a point about that in of itself, of course. Uh, but anyway, to me, like, the murder mystery itself was... Well, can I break... Well... Not... Go on. Do it. Just a bit of personal experience uh, from someone who has uh, a close family member who became a missing person last year uh, ah. has not been found. Um, it, the, the, the amount of the, the little care <laughs> that like, is put into that sort of thing. I mean, it's unsurprising, I guess it's a realistic depiction that, you know, police aren't like combing the, the streets in droves looking for this single missing person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of how it is, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so ultimately, no, it it didn't register on my mind for much of that because I was just too caught up in the events as they were unfolding. Like I was, for example, like thinking, "How the fuck are you gonna get Kakiana out of this?" Uh, you know. And then we got the episode about Rui's backstory and all that. And so I think the show even doesn't necessarily place that much emphasis on it, given what time it chooses to spend its attention on. But rather, I think it's a simmering background element mm-hmm. that serves as the igniting instant through mu- for much of the show's events. Not all of them, because Imai's like lottery win, by definition, has no relation to anything else that goes on in the show. Uh, when I say that, I mean in, as in like a causal relationship. Right. By virtue of it being a lottery win, it cannot have any... Unless they've rigged it, but that's never... Ventured. Anyway, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And simply, of course, also uh, with... Um, Tanaka's, uh, thank you by the way to Rackham for providing the name in chat there for Tanaka's like, you know, uh, woes with Gacha and online auctions. They're not causally related to her death. But it is nonetheless one of the inciting incidents that's just constantly simmering in the background. Um, so yeah, ultimately the murder, uh, the, I think the, the biggest mystery I was most concerned with was why they look like animals and well, I'm glad that paid off. Uh, but point <laughs> being is that it is it is They should have just it been animals just because. <laughs> it should have happened. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Why did it have to be a fucking plot point? (laughs) Bait and switch, bro. Bait and switch. Um, But in the end, like, you know, I think that ultimately even the show admits it's not necessarily the most important thing it is concerned with. Yeah, I mean, the inciting incident, like you said, is a good way to put it. The real nexus of everything was Orokawa's taxi. You know, him and then his, Mm -hmm. like, occupation. That was the hub through which, like, everything else kind of kind of ran through but but yeah i mean i like i wasn't really engaged in trying to figure it out uh because the show was doing so many things that were in the foreground i was really paying attention to that stuff i mean toward the middle of the show the real plot that i was engaged in was like how uh dobu and um otakawa are gonna like pull off this like you know, this heist from Yano. Uh, what is this bank robbery thing going to be? Like, how, or how, how, in a general sense, is Otokawa going to dupe Dobu and get him back? Because from about like episode five or so on, like, that's kind of his goal. Um, mm-hmm. And, and then like later on, like the sort of backstory uh, of who Otokawa is. Um, you know, Goriki going around doing his like field trip, doing various research like that becomes uh, much more important. Um, so, yeah, like I was never really like 
it's just spending a lot of time thinking about it. I was very content to let the show kind of like lay that out however it would, you know, because I was just absorbed in in other things. And so, yeah, I don't really think it, infe- it this affected my enjoyment of uh, the series. Like, I mean, if they if they never solved it, you know, we'd be complaining about it. <laughs> but, but they did uh, in a, in a clever and interesting way that I did, that I didn't really see coming at all. Um, yeah. I mean, I was surprised by all of it. I was surprised that, um, that the girl was a mystery kiss girl, that she was murdered, uh, by the current mystery kiss girl. Uh, and just all of it, everything like I was very and that just a the cat was in Otakawa's closet. Um, it was all, you know, uh, nothing that I expected. So, and I thought it was all great. I mean, it was all well done and everything. So, no complaints for me. Definitely. Um, right, next question then. Uh, our final patron question of second stream. God help us. Oh no, it's all over. Uh, this one is. Uh, again from Riku. What do you think Odd Taxi has to say about the way its characters take justice into their own hands? Especially through vigilantism, for example, Kadasawa and Odakawa in very different ways, or charity such as Kuroda the Tapir uh, Yakuza boss. I think that like everything else in this show, we have to look at it as a case study. Uh, by which I mean, this is something I was thinking about when I watched a Big Joel video recently. Um, which one? Where... I think, oh gosh, uh, you know, I've got a 404 in my head. Never mind. Oh no. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll figure re- out later. Is it a recent the point... one? No, it's not. Okay. Uh, I know that, I know that much. But point being, um, I think that you have to take it as a case study where it is just strictly about the characters involved. And yeah, if I was still to have a takeaway from the show, I think it would just be that vigilantism is ultimately a gray area where you cannot foresee like i would say like where it's appropriate to or not like and it's just something that tends to happen um although that being said like i think one thing i'll note as well is about the idea of heroism because i would actually say i'd call odakawa a hero but i wouldn't call kabasawa a hero and i think the key distinction here is that heroism i think is something that as i would define it is when you're put in a spontaneous situation which demands action for the benefit of all, um, or the benefit of, of people who have been wronged, um, do you do that or not? Now, Kabasar, of course, was never put in a spontaneous position because he was actively hunting Dobu for his own bullshit reasons. He was never doing it for that. Um, you know, never doing it for altruism. But Odakawa, like, was basically put in this situation multiple times, like, with Dobu getting in his car in one of the early episodes, all this sort of stuff. Like, did he fly? Did he, Was it fight or flight? And he decided to take a stand, even at the risk of his own life, to protect people that he knew very little about. So, if I had to say anything about what the show um, purports towards vigilante uh, justice, I'd say that I think it says that in very specific circumstances, in very specific cases, again, why I mentioned it's a case study, mm-hmm. it is acceptable. Uh, and in other cases, it absolutely is not with Kawasawa. Um, yeah. But I think we, w- while we can make that assertion, 
we can't broad stroke away the fact that, as in real life, that A, it happens to begin with, and B, sometimes it happens and it's fine and accepted, even though the law takes a bad look at vigilante justice, uh, generally speaking. Um, but there are times, of course, when it does not is not done for the right reasons or done with the right information and results in tragedy. And I think it speaks against the idea of hard tax as a whole, where it is, as I say, a case study of complex circumstances coming together in a very specific rea- mm. like chemical mm-hmm. reaction, if you want to call it that. And case by therefore case it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's all I got. And I'll be fair to hard taxi. Like there is no easy answer to vigilante justice because I know full well, speaking from my own mindset, like there'd be times when I'd be totally in favor of it, and times where I'd be like, "No, what the fuck are you thinking? This is stupid." Yeah, I mean, like, motive even, motive matters a lot, you know. Yeah, motive certainly, but also then personal safety. I mean, in a different story, if Kabasawa, for example, was not making shit up about Dobu for his own ends, where he was basically saying that he did everything short of conjure up the twelve plagues of Egypt and you know, like start, you know, bombing places or whatever. Like, even if he was completely on the mark for his assessment of him and what he was claiming he did, he's still putting himself in incredible danger by doing this. He's not quit for it. He's not up for it. He believes he is, but he's talking a big game and he's got nothing to back it up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's complicated and nuanced, like the show. Yeah. That's my answer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple complicating factors. One is that, like, the show, I think, is saying that vigilantism is uh unfortunately is a live option for many people and is a necessary option because the like the public uh, law enforcement and justice system we have uh is bad <laughs> i mean i really mm-hmm. love the way that the diamond story ended up like i do think you know after seeing it all like you, it really, as you often say, has its cake and eats it in terms of it being a, a, like a personal human story about these two boys. But it also, I think, it does a great job of like making this broad statement about the police in general because you have sort of twin faces of it. Like one, one is competent but corrupt, and the other is, uh, in, in you know not corrupt, like very like shining white knight, but totally incompetent and unable to execute justice. And so as these, these two kind of represent different, the different like, uh, uh, faces, uh, and modes, uh, of the institution of the police in general, you know, you have people that feel like to, to effectively do the things that they believe ought to be done that are right to be done. They have to do them. And I think, you know, the questions says that Kabasawa takes justice into his own hands. And I don't think that that's, I think that's a mistaken way to put it. Kabasawa, I think we, we see immediately with Nobu, like Kabasawa doesn't really have a sense of justice. He, oh fuck! Nope, absolutely. He not. has like, uh, he's just total self-interest is is at work, and is exposed as a coward and a fraud, and that his motivations were like based in self-hate. Um, and I think 
Justice is a very different thing from that. It's a lot closer to like what Odakawa has. I mean, Odakawa, Odakawa has conviction, but he also has um, the necessary means, the the wits, the will, the wherewithal, the tools, uh, the the allies, and to to make justice happen. You know, to to take it into his own hands, and I think all that stuff is like rolled up into justice. Cause I mean, you can, I, I don't know. I just, I think you, I mean, you could even have conviction about what's right, but like, that's all you have is conviction. Like that sort of justice seems to me to be like a more robust, fuller concept and the ability to, to execute it, uh, is kind of in that. And so, yeah. And I, and I think, uh, Kuroda is an interesting one as well. You know, someone who, there's a lot, a lot of nuance, you know, as you mentioned, to look at this character, character who, you know, is on the wrong side of the law some of the time, but also does an awful lot of good for people, uh, for a lot of people who have been, you know, touched by tragedy. So, yeah, I mean, this is not a show with easy answers, uh, but I do think, you know, like the conclusion you came to is is pretty good here that case by case is an important way to look at it and just kind of under having a fuller understanding of the notion of justice, I think like makes this a little bit easier and like roots out people like Kabasawa from this. And then, yeah. And just how, how the police kind of factor or don't factor really in a lot of ways into the execution of justice in this universe. Yeah. I think something that should be noted about the concept of justice that really distinguishes what it means for, like, for it to... Because I don't think Riku was wrong to say about taking justice and so on, but rather that Kabasawa's completely wrong idea of it. I think justice is something that is ephemeral, like the idea of law or scientific interest, in that it should, if you are trying to practice it, be completely divorced from ego. It needs to be done clinically. Mm. That's the way I would describe it. And Kabasawa is entirely all about ego. That is all yeah, he is. But I mean, uh, I would say Odokawa, there's some ego in it for him as well. I think... A little bit. Yeah, I think he's got some desire for personal revenge on behalf of, of his lady friend. True. Definitely when it comes to dealing with, yeah, helping her, that's that's absolutely true. Um. But like we said, case by case. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and it's just not. There's a, no reduction. There's no reductionism going on here. I'm sorry, yeah, we can't do it. Yeah, and I don't know. It's a abs. Yeah, the show's not like ne- sort of about absolutism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, right. I think that brings us to the end of our questions, unless you have anything else to add, Doc. Um, no, I mean, Riku is in chat now. Um, and there's a lot of interesting stuff being said by, by Riku and Rackham, the new comedy duo, Riku and Rackham. Um, (laughs) so... Riku says, although the younger police, the younger Daimon has a pretty unnuanced view of crime as evil, you know, all evil people should be punished, yada, yada, until he has face uh, to face it close to his brother. Totally. I mean, 
that's when I say like the show succeeds that that story succeeds on like a human level because sort of his his ideals uh butt up against his own humanity and like real people he knows in his life and he kind of has to deal with it and sort it uh and that's very that's very interesting very cool uh that he is like the law should forgive you <laughs> like you know what i mean the law will never forgive you but it should because you're my brother and it's just so contradictory but like it's also so right you know um I, I think yeah. it's it's so it's so right and uh and ultimately he's still like you know when all is said and done at the end of the day he's very much like well dobu you can threaten legal action against my brother but he should go to jail he did a bad thing he's bad he's also my brother but he's bad <laughs> i love it yep i i i can you know uh think these things simultaneously absolutely you know, what you might otherwise think as uh, irreconcilable um, ideas can indeed exist in, you know, in your mind at once. Absolutely. Right. Um, if I'm not mistaken, then I think that brings us to the end of our patron questions. Um, so thank you very much to uh, Rackham, to Gogoi Toy Robot, and to Riku for submitting those. Mm-hmm. Hugely appreciated. Thank you. In turn, I should add to everyone who's contributed a patron question all the way through Second Street yeah. and everywhere else. But I mean, we'll give a particular shout out to the second stream uh, contributors to this one because our conversations wouldn't have been half as interesting if these questions were not out there to, you know, stimulate our, you know, brain masses, whatever you want to call it. Totally. You know, um, so thank you all for that. Thank you so much to the bottom of my heart. Yes, absolutely. All right. Rackham asked a question. Can I ask you a, a question oh, that Rackham asked? Oh, I know, I know what you're going to ask. I know what you're going to ask. <laughs> okay, all right. Do it. Uh, Do it. Rackham asks... Um, what animal Doc and Shadon feel that they would would be, and that Otakawa would see bulldog. them to be? What British bulldog? And I'm going to tell you why because they're usually very grumpy. They're also fat, um, <laughs> and it, they usually have a resting dog bitch face on them as well, which is typically what I have most of the time. I look grumpy, so yeah, that would be me. Not just strictly because I'm British, of course, but I think it just all fits. I have unless you have an alternative opinion. I have no idea. I I think this is a lovely question. But I'm very bad at these. I have. I don't know. I mean, I know what animals I like. I mean, I'm I'm partial to, you know, the wolf or, uh, the shark. But oh, are you an alpha? I don't think that. I'm not because this this is an uh, this is a fake, a pseudo scientific concept. The the alpha. It is indeed. To be fair, uh, I no. I'm a sigma. I'm a sigma dude. Oh shit. <laughs> The Sigma Doctor. God. Uh, Okay. Um, Yeah. Thanks, everyone, who has submitted questions to Second Stream uh, over the last two years and for today in particular. Um, But, I mean, this whole mode of communication and uh, user-generated conversation and topics of discussion, it's not going away our discord is not going away so like we were we are still going to be like hey discord people uh we're talking about show x or movie y hit us up with questions and we will get a big list of questions from you and so the what we have started the, the work that you have all done 
will continue uh, in perpetuity. So fret not. Uh, Rackham, by the way, says he could see you as an owl. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. I, I mean, I mean, to be fair, when it comes to anime, there are very few people who can give a hoot like Dark Dust. <laughs> it's true. Also, the thing about what makes this perfect is uh, owls are um, the, the sort of traditional take on them in, in media or whatever. The popular view of them is that they are very wise animals you know, often depicted as, as like sage-like. Um, and my name is a subtle doctor, which would insinuate that kind of thing. But the reality is I'm very dumb. And the reality is owls are fucking stupid. <laughs> they are really dumb animals. <laughs> Probably one of the dumbest birds that exist. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> oh, bless. Well, you, we need to get you a thinking man's bird then in that case. The raven. But I look nothing like a raven. Yeah. A raven's crows are like super duper smart. There we there we go. We can learn all Forever kinds of on that chamber door. We can learn all right. They can learn all kinds of crazy things like that you wouldn't necessarily expect. There we go. All right then. Uh with that I think it's a good time as any for us to move on to talking points. Oh boy. Oh boy howdy. Right. Um <clears throat> So we've covered some good shit so far. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start off with what I think is one of the most powerful secondary messages this show has to offer. Um, and this is something I can say based on my own personal experience as well. So let's talk about Kakihana for a okay. bit, what happens to him in this show. Because on the first hand, like I can think to myself, like, wow, he just kind of disappears after he's rescued. And that's really about it. And isn't that disappointing? But I actually don't mind. And I'm going to tell you why. Um... I firstly want to also just address something I never thought of um, about the previous batch episodes, but one could take the fact that him getting physically assaulted, like, is secondary to, like, how much mental anguish he's suffering and how much emotional trauma he's suffering from having been betrayed like that. You could even say that one is a depiction of the other, just externalized. So to the point, though, uh, for context, not in the final episode, but before then, uh, Kakiana is indeed rescued, and he goes to a bridge over a river, um, not to do anything like that, thankfully. Um, yeah, this is not a Tanaka situation. The... Thank God. Um, he has um, the wedding ring still. He's managed to keep it. I don't know how he got it back, by the way, from Yano, but it doesn't matter. Who cares? Um, the point, rather, though, is that he throws it into the water, but then goes to retrieve it. Now, I want to make two other points before uh, about this as well. In the very same episode, we see Kabasawa's phone get thrown into water, which I thought was a very curiously congruent thing to happen in mm. the same, like, mm -hmm. 24 minutes. Like, the same kind of act. Uh, because if Dobu wanted to destroy the phone, he could have done it any number of ways, like standing on it, for example. It didn't need to be thrown in the water. But I thought, hmm, interesting. Kabasawa, though, doesn't go and claim the phone back, whereas uh, Kakiana does go and get the ring. Um, or at least he tries to. I don't think we ever actually see it confirmed that he gets it back, but I don't actually think that matters. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why. We can assume he does. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why that I think this is really, really fucking powerful. Because Kakihana has been really fucking hurt by all this, and I'm again, I'm not talking about the fact that he got the shit kicked out of him, no. or that he's in debt. Although one minor grievance I have is that his debt is written off 
in a way that might as well have made it literal uh, from the story perspective and it feels like it's trivialized but that's so minor it doesn't matter. how's his dead like, written off no it's it's not i'm saying it's written off by oh, the story oh i see what you mean i see okay I, okay okay yeah he just goes to yeah, debtor's prison it, whatever it, right it, it, yeah it doesn't matter um but anyway the point being is that he claims the ring back and i actually really think that this is quite great because i think it shows that he is not um like completely abandoned the idea of what that ring represents mm-hmm. and i think that's also why totally. it's important that he doesn't in that particular moment flashback to Shiho specifically it's not her that causes him to go and retrieve the ring mm-hmm. like i think he does it because he's still at least in somewhat in to the idea that if not her because of course she's really has backstabbed him but rather like you know that he's open to the idea that there will be someone else eventually yeah that he's not lost like you know the like his faith in that and that's i mean speaking for myself here as someone who for the longest time anguished over ever beating someone over you know like what the fuck's wrong with me? Why is it all? Why am I always failing? All of this sort of stuff. Like, I think we might even saying a word about this. The fact that he goes back and gets it, and it has nothing to do with her, at least as far like, again, because there's no flashback to her in that moment. There is one in the final episode, but I, I think that's more him reflecting rather than thinking of her specifically. But anyway, uh, at that specific moment, he goes back to get the ring. Like, I think that's such a beautiful moment. Like, even in that same episode, like Odakawa says, like you know, you like. Like Kakai says, am I pathetic? And Odokawa says, you have been sent sex and white time. so good. Uh, in Man, a kind of... So funny. Yeah. But You've always been pathetic. What you might think... <laughs> it's okay. But what you might think of as a pathetic moment of him going back for the ring is not because he's realized that he doesn't want to give up on the concept of what that ring represents. Mm-hmm. And after everything he's been through with no other person, like no pat moment where there's some random fucking woman who just walks into his life and is into him, no bullshit like that. He has nothing but his own faith to rely on and it still stands strong. And I'm like, that's fucking great. I love this so much. It's probably my favorite moment of the show, Mm. even though there's so much else that's great Mm -hmm, in it. mm -hmm. Like, because it's so understated, but it's so like abstract and like, honestly like really emotionally charged and i admit the whilst happens with kaki after that feels like a, again like i say like oh he has a debt problem but we don't doesn't matter um i mean i also find the idea of him working this other job like a bit strange because i was thinking of um of all things welcome cnhk because the lead character in that sato also works a similar job where he's doing construction at the end having come from a financial situation of nothing as a he he homori. But like Kakiana was working as a janitor where he was cleaning toilets and now he's working this heavy <laughs> like heavy labor job. That's still an improvement. Like it doesn't feel like he's I don't know, it just felt like a strange sideways move really. I thought he went to jail. I thought, I thought he was in debtor's prison and he was nah, like breaking yeah, a rock. I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Shit, I didn't that didn't even occur to me, but I just thought it was just like a different job. Yeah, I mean that's to. what he said but on like, the phone is like I can't come to the sauna because I've got a second job. Maybe he was just lying. <laughs> I don't know. Who who knows? But for me, the culmination of his journey and the reaffirmation of his hope that he will like find someone someday, like in that moment with the ring, is the best moment in the show by far. And it does it without saying a single fucking word. Bravo to that. Bravo to giving him such a send off, and bravo to. You know, the fact that it doesn't want to try and have pat conclusions to mm-hmm. it. I honestly think it's the best part by a long shot. 
I have to sneeze. <laughs> bullshit! Oh. <laughs> That's what Doc was doing, and he was God. like, bullshit. No, 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 no. I think that was very... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was well put. I mean, yeah, I, I love that scene. And it's sort of the other side of the coin to what we were talking about earlier, like characters who, uh, whose idea of like, follow your dream at any cost, like how that like pushes them to these really bad places. I think this is like mm-hmm. actually really kind of uh, sweet and uh, life affirming in some ways. Right. And, and it really, really is. Uh, I don't know, just good. It was such a cool moment. Um, and I, I really love that for him. I thought, yeah, it was, it would have been like, so kind of, um, I mean, you would understand it if he just threw the ring away. Uh, but the, I mean, the fact that he went to, that he couldn't let go of it, that he went to retrieve it. And also he's not just thinking about Shiho. Like you said, he's, it's more of, um, you know, just the idea of finding love. Uh, and then he doesn't, you know, pawn that thing because he could probably sell that shit and have uh, money to pay off his debt, you would think. Uh, but no, uh, he does not do that. So, yeah, I mean, that was that was really excellent. Um, were you satisfied with uh, the Shiho's, uh, the, the end? It just kind of nothing else really mm. happened? Like, <laughs> I mean, we learned what I suspected, which was, or rather had reconfirmed what I suspected, which was that she does genuinely like the idea of like having a proper bath because of her own living conditions when she was younger and that she was teased for all that. And that in turn leads to like how going against the idea of nuance in this show where she did lie to Kakiana, but she weaponized the truth against him as well, which is arguably worse than lying. Depends how you want to put it like that. But I think... We have to be fair, though, and say not every character can get the same level of treatment. Of course, of course. I mean, this, and I'm this, not saying this show. I'm not saying I want her to be. The girl needs to be punished. Like I, I don't want to no. uh, come across like that. I guess, like, just sort of. Uh, yeah, I forgot that scene that you mentioned, though, that uh, sort of revealed that her her motivations for playing the Badger games, even though she didn't, she felt kind of icky about it like it was still motivated by like okay i want to get rich uh so people won't make fun of me anymore i want to achieve you know the american dream in japan and make it big i mean time. i i mean we then also have to talk about how like what we said with kabasawa being victimized even though he himself is abusive with people totally. shio in turn is also victimized because Let's be honest here, like, the only person we ever see her take out in one of these Badger games is Kakiana, and his biggest crime is being naive. Yeah. But he otherwise worships the ground that she walks on. Mm-hmm. I can absolutely and unwillingly imagine an alternative scenario where she is instead with someone else who is... Well, do you want to... F- I'm sure you are listening at home or on the bus, wherever you might be, can imagine all kinds of horrific situations they might put her in. Or yeah. even going beyond this, like the fact that you know, it turns out that she in- instead is predated on by someone else rather than her being the predator. If you mm-hmm, want to call mm-hmm. that, what else might the people be running mystery kiss ask of her in the future? Right. Oh, we're just going to film a video of this guy, and they, you know, you can then think of what might be in that video and all the horrific shit that follows from that. Yeah. 
Oh, I'll just do the one. What's the problem? Oh, there's now two guys here. Do you want me to go on? I think I'll leave it there. Right, right. So, and then, like, I mean, not everyone would respond as charitably as Kakihana did to being yeah. being played. <laughs> you know, you, you could see some yeah. violent repercussions. I honestly think is when you speak of like the idea of the character endings, I think the only one I found like again a bit disingenuous was perhaps Kavasaz. But again, you also said like, you know, that I mean as as I suggest, and this is when this one made me think of it was like, oh, uh well actually it's not gonna be solved immediately. But I think perhaps rather my problem with the ending is just more that well, it's something I'll get into in a minute, but anyway. Um but no, I, I think that it's one of those things where you we I mean, this show does such a magnificent job of giving characters the amount of screen time they get anyway. Mm-hmm. So even if I might say, for example, the Kakiada basically disappears and his story ends with the bridge scene and everything else that falls afterwards is kind of moot. Uh, that's not a bad thing because, uh, he, you know, he had a complete arc. A complete arc that ended, as we noticed, in the reaffirmation of, you know, his faith in meeting the love of his life um, and all the promises, um, you know, that follow from that. Uh, and even with Shio, like, you know, we get to see how she's part of the exploited, like, class. Like, you know, like, it's, you know, the idol industry has so much of people just inside the confines of its own, like, business demands, but then also it asks more of them sometimes, and that's when it's, like, even beyond, like, all the, like, exploitative work practice, that's when it truly becomes vile and disgusting. Um, So, yeah. I, I overall think that pretty much every character got a, a solid ending. I think the only thing I would say is perhaps uh, that Tanaka gained away scot-free was a bit weird. And also the fact that he's just suddenly gone back to normal. I mean, we said about Kabasawa <laughs> yeah. like going in, you know, Kabasawa like, you know, still going to the viral stuff made sense. But Tanaka like, he, deleted that. he was on death's door. <laughs> no, he was and now he's just very back. far gone. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I get the idea like of them showing that he's back in the office he was originally in. It's the same framing as when he was in it in his phone flashback. So I like that, but it just kind of happens. And I think yeah. it ties into my complaint about Kakihana's debt problem, where it's not the serious thing it otherwise really should be. I mean, we were talking before, like, about, you know, how he could pawn that ring off. And I'd actually like to see the scene in which someone suggests that to him. And he says, no, you know what? I made a mistake, uh, but this wasn't a mistake. And that's why I'm not giving this up something to that effect. Maybe not something that sounds quite so, like, corny or whatever, but you get the idea of what I'm referring to there. Mm-hmm. And this, by the way, is me basically uh, addressing with one other thing that I need to mention, why I don't think I can give these episodes a flawless mark. Oh, you got to get to that. Tight. You got to get to that in your review. You you got to save yeah. that for your, your ending. That's that, that's <laughs> true. That's true. So I'll, I'll, I'll hold off now. Anyway, uh, over to you, Doc. Do you have a talking point? Um. Yeah. Uh, do you think that it was a cheat to either depict the characters as animals without Otokawa around to perceive them, uh, or not have Otokawa in every scene? Like, basically, I mean, they just, uh, like everyone was just animals and that was how it was. And it wasn't even many scenes where Otokawa doesn't even know the characters exist, let alone is not present. Well, well, is this the point where I throw out another galaxy brain? Oh, please do. 
So what if, what if everything that happened between Odakawa first drowning and when he wakes up in the actual hospital <laughs> it's a dream. Uh, is a coma dream? God. Is a coma I hate dream? It. Please, I, thanks. I hate it. Go away, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I could I couldn't resist. I couldn't Terrible. resist. The 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 honest answer I have to give is I think that you can be basically just you can just basically say. There was no way they were getting around that without giving away the twist earlier. And yeah. I, I just say, like, I'm will, I'm willing to allow it given the rhetorical trick it plays I mentioned earlier, because I think that's far more important than consistency. And the only other explanation I could possibly give to be charitable is that this is Odakawa, like, it's framed in some way as his retelling of all the events. So he was told afterwards about everything that happened. Although that admittedly does not account for the flashbacks that he could not possibly have the access to the internal monologue of, especially when it comes to Rui, for example, because she's in fucking prison. Uh, or Tanaka, for example. Uh, so I think we're just going to have to be charitable here and say they were damned if they do, and the damned well, they were damned <laughs> if they they were damned a little bit if they did, but they were damned more if they didn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I agree with you. I mean, that was uh, uh, a question that I asked that didn't necessarily reflect my own point of view, right? Like I I agree wholeheartedly that the the I don't even want to call it the trick. I was going to call it the narrative trick, but um, the narrative value of of maintaining the illusion despite him not being present is uh, is enough, more than enough, I think, to justify uh, doing it that way for everything that it offers the show that we already talked about previously. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um. Right, so my next talking point is I want to talk about the synergy of revelations of fakeness that happened in the last couple of episodes, because there's so many different things that are revealed in quick succession to be fake, Mm -hmm. whether they're characters or whether they are, um, you know, items. We, of course, have all of the fake money. That's one element of it, which Yano finds fake. Yano's own performance is revealed to be a fake. (laughs) It's amazing. He drops it under a a moment of stress. Yano's own, not rhyming. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he he calls out the uh, you know the other diamond brother as a fake cop because mm-hmm. he doesn't ultimately stick to his guns on that um I, and then there's also like i'm sure sorry there's others i had in my mind but they just kind of slipped but basically the show at this point like is peeling away all the elements of fakeness and this is the point where i get to quote shakespeare of all things would you believe <laughs> um so in hamlet there is quite famous line it goes like this for murder, though it have no tongue, will speak with most miraculous organ. Now, there is murder in Odd Taxi, um, for sure, but I'm actually taking this as a more broad point where it's about the idea of deception and fakery and lies will eventually reveal themselves, despite the intentions of others. I mean, that goes down to explaining like what happens with Dobu and the fact that he had the eraser on him and everything like that, you know? Can you believe... Oh, sorry, not Dobu. Odakawa. Can you believe like, Dobu you know, was uh, Ditch 11? No, he wasn't. Shirakawa was, and I reckon she inherited, he inherited her account. Oh, wait a minute. How she was? How do you, I thought the portrait was of... Wasn't the portrait a silhouette well, of him? It was, but if Shirakawa, Shirakawa could have put that portrait of him as like, you know, in the way that like partners like, you know, might have portraits of someone else or something. Well, how do you figure it was maybe, her? Like, did they say that? Maybe, maybe they traded accounts, like, because bear in mind that she also had the eraser, and Dobu said that he gave that to her. Um, 
I well, he just handed it, was it. Her and then she... like he handed it to her. But Ditch Eleven is the one who bid on it, so he would have had yeah. to been Ditch Eleven to. Oh, you're right. You know, you're to right, do the right. bidding and get Sorry, it. I, 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 right. I I I didn't put I didn't put that one hundred thousand yen that one hundred thousand yen together. <laughs> but you're one hundred percent correct. Itchy, itchy, itchy. Uh, but any, but but anyway, yeah, like. in the end like i think the show does a great job of like having all of these elements of faith even the idea of like you know um mystery kiss like and everyone having their masks off like some of them Mm -hmm. wear masks uh and they're now gone like as a you know sakura reveals herself in the end yeah i mean and yuki exactly they're the yuki mitsuya is a fake yuki mitsuya (laughs) it's it's the same person the the all all elements of fakery as far as the show presents even through sheer coincidence will dissolve in time it is just a matter of waiting coincidence circumstance you name it um and that's why i quote that hamlet line there because it again speaks that idea in the end all will be revealed whether you wish it to right. or not be sure your sins will find you out says uh i think that's mm-hmm. proverbs i can't remember so yeah, that's uh, that I thought was great. That how it just tied all those different uh, disparate elements in there, where it all just peeled it back. Pretty good, pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean um, everything. Oh God, the last the last few episodes are so good. Um, they were. Do you have anything else to add, Doc? Any other talking points? Uh, are you satisfied with the uh, Satoshi Nagashima character? And you know, introduced relatively late. Do you, do you remember who this is? Remind the me. The giraffe. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, <laughs> Not everything can be a home run. <laughs> the, 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 the ultimate answer I have to this is that because the Homo sapiens, like, we don't see them go their separate ways to the point yeah. where he does end up partnering with that kid. Um, That ultimately, yeah, I... I think that should have happened. I think that there should have been like Homo Sapiens 2.0 where we get to see like him partner a kid and maybe it works out better, maybe it doesn't. But like he's at least open to the idea of moving on to new things because of this current thing. Sorry. By the way, the one other element of fakeness I forgot to mention uh, in my previous point was the, uh, you know, the competition where the comedians, the Homo Sapiens argue on stage again. All pretense falls That's away right. in the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Even that ties into it. Um, I... Is it juggling too many balls then? Because we got... But the thing is, like, I'm, I'm willing to accept it, I'm willing to just roll with it, because these characters who get the relatively little screen time they get are also afforded relatively little importance yes. by the story There have to well. be minor in characters, such a, you know what I mean? Yeah. In, 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 in such a way that, like, you know, their screen time and the, the amount of attention the show wants us to give them feel simpatico of each other. They feel like they're aligned. Yeah. Um, but one might also then argue that would it have been such a loss if the giraffe kid had not been that, there at all, given yeah. that the conflict between the Homo sapiens is amongst themselves, and there is no then follow-up to say, like, I've now found my other partner, my the giraffe kid, and we're doing great. You know, maybe we learn the hard lesson that, as performers, we are not actually suited to each other, despite You get the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean... It's a, it's a missed opportunity, but I, I'd be fucking flummoxed I mean, if you asked me to wear so I'd fit that in. <laughs> that's the thing. Is like There have to be minor characters. I, I don't hold this against the show. Like, And I think, like, you know, he has a presence in the show, like, early on, just, like, as the fan writing in letters to these two. So he's really in it from the beginning, but, like, um, everything, you know, about him is in service of uh, 
uh, Shibagaki and Baba. So like, no, I mean, I think this is fine. I mean, not every character, you know, you have your, your Sekiguchis and Nagashimas, right. And your, uh, uh, cannons. <laughs> She's the news anchor. Uh, and your uh, kangaroo bartender ladies, you know, who, you know, they're there <laughs> to facilitate the other characters and that's okay. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's fine. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, what? Oh, shoot. Oh, um, do you have any other talking points? I do. I have okay. one more. I also have one just, more. Just, just the one. Uh, I want to talk very quickly about uh, Yuki and Sakura. And this is another element of where the animals actually plays a really powerful part in making this point. Because they are both the exact same animal species, which is uh, a cat, if I recall, a black one. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. cor- correct me if I'm wrong, but it, ultimately they are the same species and look identical. Mm-hmm. And if that's not a pointed dig at the disposability of idols <laughs> and how quickly they've been replaced by others, then I don't know what it Amazing. is. Because no one really notices the difference, and no one cares. And Only the big fan really boys, just... but they don't care enough to like make a fuss about it. Because uh, am I noticed? Yeah. But like, he was too smitten with Rui and Rui, the CDs, and being a part of it and everything to yeah. really care. Well, the thing is, they had a press conference as well where they said, like, you know, oh yeah, this band member's dead, and we've replaced with a new one, and. I mean, that ties into the fact that no one gave a shit about finding her originally to begin with or whatever, you know. Like, it, you know, they are disposable commodities and can very easily be replaced by someone else and it really just makes it seem as shallow as it otherwise probably is. Uh, And I thought that's a great way of getting just a little extra mileage out of the animal thing to make the cogent point that, hey, idols are disposable and replaceable and you know, so fucking what? I mean, Racken mentions that one is taller, but <laughs> as far as the distinction between the two of them, it doesn't seem all that meaningful I relative mean, to the fact they otherwise look identical. Yeah, I mean, at least when it's exposed, that's the end for Mystery Kiss. Like, it becomes a scandal, and, you know, that's sort of the beginning of the end. And then Rui turns herself in, and it's all over. You know, the um, Fuyuki gets... Uh, goes away anyway as part of Yano's criminal enterprise. But I mean, I think at that point, I mean, they were so worried about it coming to light for that reason. So at least like once the press gets a hold of it, you know, it's not just totally moot point, but, but it is interesting that there are people who like, like am I deep down in their, in their gut, they know that this uh, is a different person. Uh, oh, but... that that reminds me. Can we can we talk about Imai's? Because uh, I mentioned I was going to talk about him actually. Can we talk about his response to Rui's arrest and imprisonment? Yeah, yeah. Yes. He still ultimately is going to support her. He's, it's like a like a a gift that she's in prison. It's like, yeah, this is a whole new experience. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I hope I I hope that phone on the other side of that glass comes with an off switch. <laughs> Shit. Well, the the point I was going to ask though was um, what what do what do we make of him I in this situation? Because I can't decide if I think that you know he ultimately because even though like Mystery Kiss ultimately was like you know a corrupt front for Badger Games and murder and all that <laughs> other sordid shit yes. and and all that other sordid mm-hmm. shit, um, you know, 
uh, even what's his name? Uh, the jackal dude. Yuki, yes. um, who was running it. Yeah, he actually wanted it to go legit. Yeah, he he gave a um, shit. He really cared about it. Yeah, and in turn, one must then say if he can see the genuine value in it, can we ultimately say that Imai's like affection for the group is completely wasted? There was something in there that he likes about them. Is that suddenly taken away or voided because of what the group turned out to be? Is the idea of Mystery Kiss that was presented, the one that both he and um, Fingy, Jackal Kid, whatever his fucking name is, uh, (laughs) Fuyuki, thank you, uh, were both like looking towards from different angles, like, is that still valid? Is it still worthwhile? Or is he deluded? Is he not seeing things as they are? I mean, it's ironic that he's telling this all to Odakawa, who has just now, for the second time in the show, started seeing things as they are again. But there are some people who still maintain their delusions. But is that such a bad thing? Welcome to Odd Taxi. Nuance <laughs> discussion, bitch. <laughs> it's just crazy. I, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. No, and no the thing is, like, I think there's... Arg- yeah. With am I in that case, like, I don't think there's a, like... I don't think there's a heavy weighting one way or the other. Like, if you argue that, for example, that he is deluded and wrong to be still interested in Rui as a person or as a idol or whatever you want to call it, I can't disagree with you. But I conversely can't disagree with those who would argue that, as I say, that the genuine value behind Mystery Kiss, the thing that he that had him interested in, in the first place, still has meaning and worth. And that's why it's okay for him as long as he doesn't do something stupid like give her all of his fucking money. Uh, you know, like that's fine. Like I can't argue either way because both are entirely valid viewpoints. Um, God, but hey, there we are. I guess. Uh, so yeah. Okay, I've I've uh, happened upon evidence that Mal is a a piece of shit and a, a bad website. Oh, do you, oh do you mean like the time when it was all into Nazi stuff? I remember uh, that. This could be worse. All right. Oh no! Here we go. What's worse than Nazis? Do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it out for you. Pray tell. Sekiguchi, the polar bear character. Yep. You know how many favorites? How many people have uh, him listed as their favorite character? I'm gonna assume the answer to that is too many. Um, no, not necessarily. It's what? three. Three people have Sekiguchi. Seems appropriate to me. Sekiguchi, very okay. minor thug character as a polar bear. Uh, Satoshi Nagashima, the giraffe. You know how many people have Satoshi Nagashima, the giraffe, as a favorite character? I'm assuming that's two. Three. The same number. Okay, same number. You know how many people have Rui Nakaido, an incredibly interesting, nuanced, fascinating, cool character as their favorite character? Zero. Three! The same number of people that have Sekiguchi that have Nagashima as their favorite turn, character. They're gonna, they're gonna turn out to be profiles of people they're gonna tell us to be profiles of the character of people role-playing the characters. This is one giant circle jerk. More people have really Kabasawa is. as their favorite character. I guess they didn't learn the lesson then of watching the show. Or maybe just didn't watch the show and talk to be quite honest. Four people and I mean, I'm, I don't care about the morality. I mean, like, Dobu's a cool character. I understand 27 people have him as their favorite. Nikaido's great. She's a great character. 
she's a better character. I mean, like, not, of course, morally speaking. I think she's a more interesting character than Shirakawa. And Shirakawa has 46 favorites. Rui I'd be has wary of sample three. size in this. Three! I'd, I'd be wary of sample size in this, though, Doc, to be fair. Because, um, I mean, I'm sure if you found, like, what people's most favorite characters, they'd have some... Sh- I mean... I'm sure Zero Two is up there, and we all remember well, how that fucking yes. went. Yes, but these are the people that I watched would... On Taxi, though. I'm just saying, like... Well, the thing is, those those three people who like Kabasawa as their favorite character clearly did not watch On Taxi. <laughs> but they did! Because of, uncrit- cause of, cause of uncritical veneration of a character who literally was the subject of uncritical veneration. I mean... But maybe it's critical veneration. I mean, I, but he's just nowhere near... I, He's my favorite character and I hate him. I want to strangle him with all my love. I mean... I want to shake him by the shoulder and say, I like you, but I think you're a twat. Exactly. I mean, I feel the same about Nikaido. Not that I want to call her that name, but just like, she's not a cool person. You don't want to hang out with her. But as a character, she's amazing. To be fair, Otokawa has 718 favorites. So... um. And Yano has 181. I mean, who wouldn't love a rapping porcupine? There's actually, I think, a, a shipping founder between Yano and the polar bear guy I've seen on Twitter a couple of times. Interesting. Interesting. And I'll just put my opinion on the table here. Um, I am in no position to judge anyone's ships. Well, I say that, but I'm sure there's probably some I could judge who presented them, but I'll leave that for another time. Um... I just don't see it myself, but hey, that's just me. Um, okay, my last topic, uh, topic, talking point here is um, a lot of stuff got dunked in the water um, in the final episode, but even before that. Uh, and I think that that's interesting and worth looking at. I mean, I think some stuff that got dunked in the water was pulled back out again and changed uh, sort of a baptism, you might say. Uh, and some stuff simply drowned and sunk to the bottom uh, and was was never to be seen uh, again. You know, the, the bath salts, uh, the body, um, all kinds of things uh, in that last episode, the car. <laughs> but then you have uh, Otokawa, who's twice kind of reborn after being plunged in the river. Uh, and you have, I think, symbolically, Kakihana's ring. Like, really fascinating if you think the ring is, a, as an object, is like a stand-in for his kind of dreams and belief in love and that he will find someone to be with, that, like, that was kind of born anew and just will kind of take him in a different direction and it won't manifest in the same way in his life. And so I think that there are some really, yeah, some just interesting parallels and points of comparison and juxtaposition about how you could see a yeah. lot of different things as sort of being baptized and then other things mm-hmm. as, you know, drowning and disappearing in the water. I, I, I mean, for a lot of times, water in this show is the thing that cleanses, uh, you know, impurities and uh, lets everything run clear. Um Unfortunately for Odakawa, it just happened to be that when he, you know, stopped being a walrus, was also that he didn't, like, you know, he, he's seen himself as a walrus all this time, but he unfortunately did not have the lung capacity of one, so, well, never mind. 
bit unfortunate that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I 100% agree with you. Like the the consist like the the show is consistent its use of it, and it is the thing that changes things. I mean, or rather, like even when people try to throw things like the body in there, it still comes back. Right. Like right. Right. So yeah, it is the consistent element of like you know um, cleansing things, making things seem as they really are, bringing things up from under the surface. You know. That's a part of like what happens with water as well when things float to the top. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, hundred percent. She does she does agree that. Yeah. Uh, indeed. The bath even, the even <laughs> they, they even well yeah. <laughs> but the money I, I mean, does. even Imai's, <laughs> the money comes up clean. But that's the thing. <laughs> even even yeah, it literally does come up clean because no longer has it been tainted by criminal enterprise. Mm-hmm. Boom. There you go. Uh, I don't know how Imai got all of that back, admittedly, but, well, you know. And ha- giant how it was net, saved, that's my right? guess. I mean, they collected it. Gi- giant giant net <laughs> is basically my guess. A blow dryer. Um, <laughs> God, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm done on talking points. Do you have any more, Sad Doc, or is that all of it? I mean, I don't think I have any more on this set. I guess we'll say more in our uh, reviews of the show and such. Yeah, oh boy, we're begging on those. I mean, the only thing I'll add is just that Shirakawa actually kicking. Uh, oh, so good! <laughs> I loved that. Yeah, that was that was that was great. Um, I also really like one small detail I noticed is when she kicked in the uh, the taxi window, which we don't actually see. Like when you see her in the hospital later, when she's in human form, uh, you actually see that she's got a cast around her yep. leg from where she kicked it, and that is such a ridiculous attention to detail for something I never otherwise would have. Like, it could have just been normal. I wouldn't have noticed, but I'm like, holy shit, that's amazing. It's literally bottom right at the frame, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, someone thought to put that in. That is impressive. Because I don't think anyone would have noticed or necessarily cared all that much if they hadn't. I don't think you'd have had, like, the plot hole police going in and saying, <laughs> well, why is the foot okay? Like, no one would have fucking cared, realistically. Um, unless you're Cinema Sins, who I mentioned before. Grifting bastards that they are. But anyway. Um... But yeah, I'm otherwise uh, all done on the talking points. So let's get on to reviewing this block of episodes first and foremost. So, I again have to be up front here. I'm not going to rate this as a perfect um, set of episodes. <laughs> because, because as I say, there's a couple of things that mildly let it down for me. I mean, like the fact that some characters' arcs don't feel fully complete. or like, And they are all the minor characters ultimately. Like, I mean, all the major characters get the full fat delivery that they deserve. Um, the fact that Odakawa's like thing is solved uh, in such a way feels a little hack. The other thing that felt a little hack to me was just how everyone seems to be in the exact same vicinity at the very end where they could all see Odakawa's flying taxi. Um, I mean, I know the show. Oh, is that about was that was the airport chase that we were begging for. Everyone showed up to interact with each other in the last moment. Everyone, you know, you had the car chase and then everyone else in the vicinity. That's just like the Coen brothers trope, isn't it? I I don't know. Like, I think because the show was so much about the idea of coincidence, like, you know, people being so close coincidentally to each other and all of that, you know, um, that that just felt like it was pushing it a bit far for me. A tiny bit far, though. So those are all minor blemishes, though, otherwise on what has been um, a magnificently executed finale. I mean... I think above all of, of the other shows that we've covered on Second Stream, with the possible exception of Suritama, um, this is the show that has landed the strongest in. I mean, I know you and I have talked many times about sticking the landing. And yeah, you know what? 
the the worst that happened when this show landed was someone spilt a very small amount of their drink. Oh no. As opposed to as opposed to like when we've watched other shows like um listeners, which I don't think that oh. one ever took off to begin with. Was that a second stream? Oh my gosh. I might it might not have been, but fuck it. I who thought cares? that was a, um, yeah, I think that was our pick. We did that to ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Or or like when we watched a Kabuki Cho Sherlock where we jumped out the plane halfway through when we Thank didn't God. even pack a parachute because we couldn't take Thank any God. more. Um anyway, so yeah, um, I mean, phenomenal set of episodes, rich in detail, rich in nuance, pays off everything pretty much magnificently. Some character stories, as I say, not quite dealt with as fully as I'd have liked. The Homo sapiens are probably the most egregious example of that, just with the fucking giraffe kid. Right. Um, where that felt like set up and not dealt with. But all of that is so, so minor. But unfortunately, uh, it is not the resoundingly perfect finale that I wish it was, but it is still damn close. For that reason, I will give Odd Taxi episodes 8 through 13 4.75 convenient erasers shaped like baboons out of 5. It was damn Mm, close. And it's still probably the most consistently rated uh, show that we've covered on Second Stream, if not the current format across all of our pods, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Very few shows, I think... I mean, if this is the point where I have to rate the entire show. Like I said before at the very start, um, I don't know if this will have much, st- much sticking power in terms of, like, I'm going to re-watch it. It's going to, like, stick in my life to the point where I'll start buying stuff for it. Like, I have Land of the Lustrous over there, for example. I have been, Like, that's the kind of thing that sets it apart for me. I don't think that will work for me. But it is now the gold standard to which I will hold every anime that we cover from here on out accountable to in terms of storytelling. Mm. Because... They cared about the script. They cared about the thing that I care about. Yeah, I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to be biased in my opinion here. I'm not going to be all that fussed about it. Because if we look at the animation, whatever. No one gives a shit about the animation in this show, in my opinion. And I don't think anyone really fucking cares. But that's not the point, though. The Capoeira is animated very well. <laughs> okay, okay, yes, yes. And the good, the intro was pretty cool as oh, well. Oh, the intro rules. Yeah, the, the OP is great. The, the OP is fucking sick. Um, but... Um, that is, as I say, like, you know, this will be the gold standard now. Because if this show can do it for a story that is fundamentally just a mystery story about a bank heist and everything else that surrounds it, like, I don't see any reason other shows can't. Like, I don't see any reason that people cannot put this kind of care and attention to it, where they actually treat it as a work of art rather than the commercial products be shat out first and foremost. Um, so, yeah, I... Overall, hmm. we'll give Odd Taxi the same rating that I gave these Final Blocks episodes, which is 4.75 uh, I, Walrus Taxis out of 5. Uh, it is damned close to being a flawless execution of its own concept and premise, and the only like things that stop it, in my opinion, as I say, are just the small little niggles at the end. But if we compare this to, like, say, Decadence, for example, uh, where the ending was just complete and also like wet fart yeah, relative I, I, to its previous content. It was a letdown. I wouldn't say a complete... A it was not like a like a crash and burn. It was a little bit of a letdown. No, it, I, sure. I'm probably being hyper, uh, histrionic there, I admit, but like it's certainly in relative degree sense, like this was a much more comfortable conclusion because it pretty oh, yeah. much delivered everything oh, yeah. it set out to do. And for that, I absolutely applaud it. Um, I'm also feeling 99% confident it will be the best thing I've seen all year. 
Um, I mean, the other contenders for what were going to be the best shows I've seen this year that were released this year were Wonder Egg, accepting this bonus episode. I'm compiling that, that talk, elsewhere. We'll talk about something that, you know, died a death at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was like the, that was like the rotten egg amongst literally amongst a, it, you know. You crack it open and you crack it just open. Not just what, knock not what out, anybody wanted. Conk yourself on the side. Don't think it's what anybody um, wanted, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would still consider the rest of Wonder Egg to be noteworthy, yep. uh, despite its incredibly explosive production experience, beside the point. Mm. Uh, and the other one that was in contention for me was probably Dinah Zena. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, Odd Taxi is just above both of them. What about Kageki? It really is just a simple... Uh, shoujo, is it? Well, I'm, I'm considering strictly stuff that I've seen for this pod. And uh, I like Kageki show. Yeah, okay. I, I like Higeki Shoujo a lot. Um, I think it's a great show. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't... I, if I were to put it in a ranking, I would probably consider it a notch below um, Wonder Egg when it was not shit and Dino Zenon, which still makes it pretty great. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's my uh, that's my review for Odd Taxi uh, at the end. It's fucking magnificent. And why the fuck have you been listening to this podcast <laughs> if you've not already watched it? What's wrong with you? You fool. <laughs> Yuki said he gives a shit about the animation. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm having my cake and eating it here where I'm just like, hey, finally, someone's finally listened to me and, like, put, like, the majority of, like, their attention, if you could quantify it as such, into the script first. Thank fuck for that. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting how, like, I've this is such a, kind of a unique circumstance in some ways although interestingly enough i mean the one of the other things we're doing uh sunny boy is very much the same thing where there's a studio is just like you know here shingo-san like do your thing and uh getting to do his thing uh and this just seems like a similar kind of like a collab that was about the storytelling uh and was for a very kind of i don't know it like knew what audience it wanted to hit um there were sort of it wasn't trying to be like uh to feed the database animal i don't think if you will um and yeah so uh why did i think about the show um this block of episodes, I agree with your rating. I'm going to give it, I think we've been aligned every step of the way this time. I'm going to give it four and three quarter. Um, you, you were like, oh, you can't give a perfect rate, but you're not, you're not doing your perfect rain either. I see what you did there. Very what good. Did I do? Very what? good. You, you, you were giving me a little gentle ribbing as we went along about not giving it a perfect yeah. rating. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, then, and, and, then, and, then, and then you pull, and then you pull the and fast forward by also yep, doing the yep, same. Yep. Um, oh, you subtle docs are uh, you. Um, well, and I, I suppose why I marked this set as slightly lower. I don't know. I mean, it may have had something to do with the way I watched it. Um, you know, it, it could be just that inherently the way things play out is not as interesting as when there's a possibility space open and so many different things can happen and you know it's really kind of lighting your brain up um i do, I do think the show lost a little bit of momentum in some ways around about episode 11 10 or so um 
I, I like it felt like it felt like that. I don't know. I mean, it's hard because I don't want to be like, hey, show. Don't do that thing where you devote a big chunk of time to one character because I really liked that. But at the same time, it's like when an episode is not hitting everyone like some of the earlier episodes did and you're discovering everything uh, and it's just a real density there and again, a real sense of possibility. Um, it just felt like it just lost a little bit for me uh, momentum-wise. But I mean, this is just such a, that's just a, such a minor thing. I mean, to say it's not absolute perfection, right? I mean, it's uh, like such a, I don't know. I, I don't want to be negative about it at all because I think it's a marvelous production. I mean, I think everything about it is executed so well. Um, this block of episodes I'll stick with. I mean, it's, it's, it keeps, pretty much keeps up to par. Um Par being five out of five, <laughs> which is like it just a shade below. So I mean, it doesn't do anything egregiously wrong. I think it sticks the landing, like you said. Um, I, I think I mean it doesn't like short shrift any really important characters or storylines. Um, very satisfying and totally rewatchable for me. I think I'm going to give the show overall though. I'll give the overall show a five, just in terms okay. of on balance. I think it's it's it deserves that like nine and a half or ten out of ten like because I, I just think it's a it's a real achievement uh, in terms of writing. Um, it, it is impeccably written show, and I mean I don't think all anime are going to put the focus here, you know, because not all anime are made for us, right? Um. No, it's it's true. And true. and not all anime are concerned with being art first, you know. They got you gotta subsidize your studio in some ways, so you gotta make the products. Mm. Um and that's okay. Uh that that stuff is just not you know, not for us a lot of the time. But man, this really was for us. Like goodness me, uh the the writing and the characterization and the storytelling, the pacing. Uh, the plotting, uh, everything was just really felt planned out. Nothing felt rushed or wasted. It didn't feel like they got to the end too soon. And then there was an episode left where they just fucked around or they didn't get to the end and have to rush everything in the last half an episode or release a fucking special three months later because they didn't finish it. Oh, Christ. <laughs> like yeah. it was just, it was really well planned. Uh, thing yeah. and I just I gotta give it the highest marks for that so satisfying so nuanced so thematically rich uh, it's like a you know multi-layer chocolate cake just rich rich cake yeah uh, absolutely yeah, delicious wonderful show yeah I, I should probably clarify what I say about focus on writing. I mean, I'm not expecting every show that ever gets made to have this level of complexity. Some some stories need only be simple and some, you know, but I think that there's kind of like a theoretical ceiling of attention each story demands, depending on its complexity. Um, and then there's, of course, what you actually give to that uh, story. Uh, I mean, to go back to Decadence, I mentioned before, um, there was a theoretical ceiling and it came like within spitting distance of well, not spitting distance, but it came close to it but didn't quite reach it 
Whereas Odd Taxi is probably the closest between the two that I've seen in an anime in quite some time. The concept that's what I mean of by putting in your... so incredible. Yeah. Right. And that's why I meant that's why I bring all of that up, because mm-hmm. I think that what I mean to say is I want as much effort as is reasonable to go into a given work depending on what it is demanding an offering. Like if it's just a simple like shonen story that doesn't demand a whole lot of complex writing or planning, fine. It doesn't need that. But it demands like a certain amount, you should strive to meet that. As much as I say this like about quantifying this sort of thing when it's really kind of nebulous, but I hope that that's clear by what I mean by where basically really like if you're doing stuff like decadence really give it some fucking thought or wonder egg for that matter because as much as I think wonder egg is a good show if you ignore its rotten 13th episode <laughs> like bullshit special episode Man, uh, there so, are many problems so with it still that problem problems that could have been solved with foresight and planning but that is not something one associates with wonder egg because that show was literally being made in such production schedules as play people in the hospital twice yeah I mean, that, I so, don't think that 13th yeah. episode, I'm, it was valueless, but like, boy, it, it made some really shitty writing decisions. And then like, who, who looked at that and was like, yes, this is the conclusion we've been striving to. <laughs> this is like what people yeah. want. Like, what a, just such a terrible way to go out. Um, I honestly would have preferred if the creators of the show just egged my house instead. <laughs> the real one to egg. Uh, also, Rackham, yeah. Rackham found me out in chat and said, the real reason I took off a quarter star uh, was because they turned out not to be real animals. So, <laughs> you got mm. me, Rackham. <laughs> you got, got banged to rights. There we go. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our discussion of Odd Taxi in that case, then. But we're going to have a little bit of a swan song for Second Street before All we right. go, because it has been quite the two years doing this, um, doing this format, doing the various shows we've covered. I was actually looking for our Patreon before at the shows that we had covered as a part of this, and it has been quite the ride. <laughs> we've covered some real gems on this, I will say, though. Like we had Suritama, for example, which was just phenomenally mm-hmm. great. Um, Decadence, for all the kind of flummox the ending a little bit was still right. spectacular in its own yeah. right or even stuff like Jula Richard which still sticks in my mind like that was thank you Kay that was just it's very yeah it's its own unique little gem that it was a literally. gem yeah uh, and then we had well we had Kabuki Joe Sherlock and I'm ugh, Jesus Christ given right was given have... second stream I think uh, I think it was I think this is before Desher the Third existed. I think Given was our second show. Um, uh, it, it might have been, in which case, well, if Given, I, I think it might have potentially have been Stream of Four, actually. I'm not sure, though. Uh, but anyway, um, what I will, however, end this note on is this. Like, you know, we've run the gamut of quality covering stuff on Second Street. But I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think, like, you know, the the... the Criticism is well served by focusing strictly on good stuff or bad stuff, conversely. Um, I mean, we said there's much about a thing when we were covering Kabuki Cho Sherlock, where we were like, you know, someone needs to cover this shit and point out that it's fucking terrible. Um, and was literally written by fucking oh. turfs. <laughs> it really was. It really did feel It really was. Really Listen. Yeah. It, yeah. But like we've covered the gamut of all that stuff and if there's one thing i want to do going forward is continue to cover the gamut we'll do the bad stuff and we'll listen do the good stuff, we are but... gonna do some bad stuff 
<laughs> like, oh, we're going to cover some right like, shit. This is going to be tripe. the return of some bullshit. Let me tell you, I'm excited. I, I we, we have not, like, apart from the occasional, like, you know, watch along, we haven't really dissected some awfulness in in a few it's been a few years and i'm i'm quite honestly champing at the bit <laughs> to, to do so oh gosh i'm gonna be yelling a lot again i suspect but i will say this though like for all the run of the gamut of quality that we've had on second stream to end it on odd taxi and end on a high note really feels pretty damn good i must say and it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to do this particular format for two years in which people were willing to give us money to hear our opinions on um for that um to you (laughs) listener at home uh whether you're doing it on the free or whether you're one of our patrons before we uh close it down um thank you so much for your time and attention um for the and the value of your time for that matter as well if you're paying us for it um yeah um i have little more to add other than just my humility before you for for affording us this opportunity and uh having interest in what we have to say uh i'd also be remiss by the way if i didn't mention uh our gratitude for the podcast we've had on such as emily rand um you know all the people who've added amazing perspectives um to it and just good times and good banter um and that is ultimately the note i'll end on which is the good times the good banter and the good points will continue in one form or another yes. even if second stream ultimately now comes to an end but on that note um doc Thank you very much also, of course, for being a part of all this throughout all of it. Listen, you're very welcome. Um, boy, it's kind of surreal. I mean, the the Patreon idea, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I'd wanted to do it like for a little while before we did it, like maybe a year before we, we brought it out and, you know, talked about it with you and Vorg and it was like, eh, maybe we're not quite ready, but, um, but then we were, and then we, we pushed it through and we got more support than I think most projects on Patreon get. I mean, I was stunned. Uh, it's really, really cool. And we met a lot of great people and, you know, people willing to financially, uh, you know, contribute to, to the show and to the community and like, I mean, it's really, it's really cool. Like I can't, I, it's, I'm, this is a bad show cause I'm not a good podcaster, but, uh, I am, I am so, I'm so happy, uh, that, uh, we got to do what we got to do with the users uh, with the the friends, with the the patrons, the listeners, um, they contributed with the questions that they got to pick the shows that they trusted us uh, to pick the shows, like given, like um, you know, Julia oh, yeah. Richard and uh, other things. Like, I mean, it was just it's just been such a such a pleasure. And like you said, I mean, we got like Emily Rand and Anthony Gramulia and and all kinds of. Oh like yes, cool people uh, to talk about these shows with, and you know the format's been evolving, and we've been trying to figure out what works, and it's changing here. But you know, but the the Patreon will close down, but I mean we're still gonna keep going. 
Um, are we going to fade out to we're the champions? I, I, <laughs> I wish, uh, I wish I had that queued up. I'm not that smart of a producer. Uh, also we would get copyright flag, so we can't do that. <laughs> but, Dang it. but, uh, do, 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 do. That Sorry. was such a good impression that they're going to copyright flag us. So, damn you. Oh, for fuck. <laughs> just, just can't win, can you? Um, oh, damn it. But, but there's, you know, the, like, the good things about this are not going to go away. I just want to emphasize that, that, like, yes. you know, the, the community will still be here. People will still be able to get in. I mean, we are still going to have Kofi uh, as a way that you can support us if you want to. You know, it won't be, like, the sort of backer rewards system you know it's not going to be a subscription kind of thing just because our lives are just taking on more and more like we're getting busier and we're going to scale back the quantity of content so we can tweak up the quality um without also having to like just uh juggle also extra content that we feel obligated to do to to backers that we've promised you so there will be a way to support us there is the the kofi page is up if if you want to um that could even be a way for people to get into discord kofi can uh lock into discord so we could do basically the thing that we've been doing where you know if people donate then they can become (laughs) god damn it you're so you're gonna make me cry you're such a sweetheart. Uh, but um, the podcast is not over. <laughs> it's not. We're still going to have, uh, yeah, the, the Discord still grow. And hopefully, like, more people will listen because we can just put our stuff out there immediately without the paywall and without the delay. Um, and it can be like it was in the Banana Fish days where we just, like, put that shit out and people were like, hey, here's a review of banana fish right away. And it, here's, you know, it's cool. That was such a fun time. And, uh, was. you know, I, I look forward to all the kinds of things that we're going to cover. I mean, we're going to cover really good anime, shitty anime, cool movies, shitty movies, <laughs> like, uh, all kinds of fun really stuff. I mean, like <laughs> maybe we can even, you know, I think you and I are going to, gonna do the selections but maybe i don't know maybe we can have kind of a you know one month you know have a user user pick month or something we'll we don't know we'll see we'll we'll work it out we'll work it out we'll be open to suggestion but as doc has rightly pointed out though the show never mind it must going on it is going to go on just in a different format um we'll share more in the coming weeks about what format that will take and when we'll start doing it but we're not quite done yet with our current format in general we do have one more death show the third to go on the finale of death parade which i hope will not be like stale bathwater <laughs> like right. the previous batch and the stream of thought the, um, the sunny boy yeah the the a full batch of sunny boy episodes oh boy. seven so of them, much I think, to cover in a single go uh which i mean with it being Sunny Boy, that's all the extra challenge on that. Like that's gonna be quite the My thing. Brain to is see gonna be sunny side up. It's gonna be fried. <laughs> You're gonna be in another dimension, yeah. mate. Um but yeah, that otherwise concludes second stream. So thank you all again. Um we'll be back next week for mm-hmm. the conclusion of Death Parade. Otherwise, wherever you are in the world, wherever you may be listening to this, whatever time of day it might be, I hope you're taking care of yourself, your loved ones, and your friends and family. From myself and Doc here, all the best in the world to you all. Um, and as we often say on this podcast, embrace everyone. See you in the universe.
Good night. Bring back the brothers. Thank <laughs> you.